Serum Visions is a Magic the Gathering podcast about iterative brewing. Each episode, we work on a project, a deck, strategy, or archetype that we think has room for exploration and brew to the fringes of competitive deck building. In this episode, we check in on the rest of Strixhaven spoilers and share our super tepid takes. After that, we'll recount our experiences with the most recent Monastery Mentor brews and discuss how we might augment them moving forward. Have a sip of your Blink Moth tonic and open your third eye. This is Serum Welcome to episode 16 of the Serum Visions podcast, coming to you from the parking structure under Ravnica's most bougie shopping center. I am one of your hosts, Brian Madden. Joining me is a man who once was a court musician for Nicol Bolas himself, Zach Ryle. How are you, Zach? Man, I gotta tell you, that dude wanted every song in that court to be a dirge, and I was like, listen, you gotta hear about this band Linkin Park. They're brand new. They only came out 15 years ago, which for you is, you know, an eye blink, you know, in the eye of a dragon. So uh, you're going to love them. You should uh, get some sort of gothy, sad vocalist to record a cover of their song. We can use it for an animated music video or AMV, as the kids are calling it. We're going to be the most cutting edge. We're going to be the most cutting edge plane in the multiverse. And your war on Ravnica is going to be A+. Also, can I get paid in advance? I got, I got, uh, I got things. I got bills, alimony, etc. No, I'm doing really, really well, Brian. <laughs> um, I just, you know, um, we got, we got uh, a, a new standard-oriented set uh, on the horizon, which looks wonderfully standard-oriented, limited-oriented. I think the 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 limited play on this set is going to be fantastical. Uh, that is, of course, Strixhaven. And then we have the potentially modern shaking, uh, hopefully not destroying, uh, Modern Horizons 2 uh, within the, the, the reasonable, you know, next frame of time. So I'm excited for both those things, I gotta tell you, sir. I'm gonna have to say, in before Modern Horizons 2 just, like, completely fails to move the needle. No! L- listen, no. listen, <laughs> listen. I don't know if you've ever listened to it, or or, or uh, our good friend Dr. Combo here, but for anyone in the audience, go and listen to Mark Rosewater's Drive to Work about the cards of Modern Horizons because the off-the-cuff casualness which with, with which he describes Hogak is, it's hilarious. It's so funny. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, I just, dis- I just designed this in one afternoon. You know, not even... It was really like, we put two mechanics on it. We put some limitations. It's cool. It's just cool, man. Um, (laughs) And uh, I have to say, overall, the rest of the set really, really spoke to me in that way. The rest of the set, by and large, was just like, yo, here's some ideas. They're pretty cool. Let's go. Who gave Hogak Trample? That's what I want to know. It's a great question. I think it's on all of our minds, and maybe we'll get the answer with the release of Modern Horizons 2. Maybe we'll get Hogak without Trample. I just want more snow cards. That's what I want. Snow cards would be cool, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I don't, I don't think we'll have more snow cards because they just did call time and call time contributed approximately zero playable cards to the uh, legacy playable pool of uh, snow cards. But that's okay. That's okay. It's not. That's not your job, call time. You're not cold snap. <laughs> Also joining us is the man who first theorized that weapons could be given to germs, Arun Singh. How are you, Arun? I'm doing really well, you know. They told me it couldn't be done, but after I realized that weapons are germs to begin that germs are weapons to begin with, it's like, well, why couldn't we give the weapons the weapons? And yeah, then we never looked back. Next thing you know, batter skull. Oh yeah. Are you telling me that by default, germ tokens are dual wielding? Because I'm very okay with this idea. <laughs> Only if you consider them wielding themselves. I wield myself. I wield myself frequently, sir. There we go. Dual wielding. <laughs> Although I'm, I'm doing quite well. A little, a little tired. It was actually a wonderful weekend. We went down and visited uh, my fiance's cousin uh, and her husband. They have a beautiful two-year-old, just like the sweetest thing. So... You know, it's crazy. Just like little humans. They're so sweet. They're so just like well-natured. Very, you know, just so fun. Exhausting. It's very nice to get to see Exhausting them. is oh, the word you're looking yeah. for. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, you know, this isn't ours, Brian. So this is kind of like all the best of it and none of the worst of it. Yep. Yep. All the fun, but, none of the poop. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm definitely like pretty exhausted after that weekend. Awesome. Ugh. So how about this meta? What, 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 do we, what do we got going on? We uh, we had some some uh, bigger events. We had the uh, modern super qualifier on on Friday, and uh, we had a Monday super qualifier as well on the fifth. Is that right? Yeah, uh, I mean, Watsi following only what I can assume is I don't know some kind of astrological signs or sages of your. Uh, decided to schedule some of these modern super qualifiers, which could be entered with qualifier points uh, on Monday, April 5th, and uh, Friday, April 9th. Uh, I actually did enter both. Uh, I managed the same wonderful record in both, a lovely 1-2, first round win, second and third round death to uh, all sorts of broad nonsense. Let me tell you something, folks. If you could get those first couple round buys at a GP, those were worth more than gold, I'm pretty sure. Um, Just because you were able to focus your sideboard and main deck strategies on some uh, reasonable shot at playing against most of the more meta-oriented decks. And to that end, man, do we have some meta-oriented top chunks in these tournaments i mean this first one has three copies of heliod company in the top eight although taking home the trophy was green tron featuring that wonderful elemental elk gigantha uh spoiler alert green tron has made a bit of a resurgence so pack yourself some cleansing wildfires uh or some fulminator mages or god help you if you have to play crumble the dust because that's probably uh, a little bit too slow. But uh, yeah, so the uh, Super Qualifier on April 5th uh, had the first place finish of Greentron. Second place was a, one of those Heliod company lists, as I mentioned. Third place, Burn. Fourth place, Jund Scourge Shadow. Spoiler alert, we're not going to hear too much from that deck in the rest of these two uh, tournaments. Uh, another Heliod company in fifth place. Blue Red Prowess in sixth place. The third Heliod Company in seventh place, and Etron in eighth. This was a very strange build of Etron um, that was entirely uh, uh, without 
Chalice of the Void and was playing a bunch of crazy uh, nonsense conduit of ruins and such, if I'm not much mistaken. Um, so that was a, a bit of a bit of a wild ride on that one. Um, then cascading down to 16th place, we had uh, Blue White Control, Esper Control. So the two best control decks in the format, uh, certainly representing themselves well, uh, falling just short of the top eight. Uh, we had some Niv to Blade in 11th. That's not the last you're going to hear from that deck. McWinsauce, uh, four color control, money pile sort of style deck with Omnath, Renin Six, and Teferi uh, was in 12th place there. There's the other Jund Death Shadow place in 13th place, more Heliod Company in 14th, Dredge in 15th, and the reason that I went all the way down to 16th place, it was Boomer Jund in 16th. Uh, and then, of course, there was another Niv to Blade deck in 17th. So that deck, uh, a fairly new version of uh, Niv to Light 5-color Niv-Mizzet with Stoneforge Mystic jammed in there for reasons that trophy leader Pygonti can't quite understand or at least doesn't agree with. So this was quite the exhibition of basically just the top-tier decks. I think if you look on uh, MTG Goldfish right now... Um, Almost every single archetype I mentioned there is in the top eight archetypes in modern. So just very much no longer the outlier format that we had a couple weeks back. Um, any feelings about this? Yeah, so I actually have a question. So I don't really understand why all the Green Tron decks don't run Gigantha. I mean, I think the opportunity cost is just walking Ballista, right? It's walking Ballista main or it's Gigantha. And like, it's just, you know, it seems so free. Uh, Dismember as well. Um, yeah, but that would be... Oh, yeah, I guess main side. If if they're playing the main deck dismember, which many of them are not. But I, I think this highlights a, a fact that the um, Magic community is dealing with both in respect to Green Tron and in respect to Burn. So over the last week or so, uh, maybe not in the challenges, or, although I didn't do the full due diligence, but certainly within the leagues, um, there's been a resurgence of Luris Burn decks, either featuring um, uh, uh, Mishra's Bobble in the main deck or not, uh, with many of the grinders and some of the more competitive players questioning the the idea of whether or not it's correct to play Luris in their burn decks. And I honestly am not the person to answer that question. Uh, as I said before, my assumption was that playing Luris was not worth it. And the reason that I had that assumption is nobody was doing it. But as we all know, it only takes a few people to push for uh, an idea being valid um, for that idea to then be found to be valid. Um, subtle adjustments in the metagame can sometimes open uh, a window that, that people aren't really seeing until someone tries it. Yeah, if, hold on. So before we get into the meta discussion, Brian, do you want to go over the Friday Modern Super Qualifier? Just give us, you know, like then we'll kind of combine the two, I think. Uh, so on Friday, we had uh, a top eight was Etron. We got Blue Black Mill, Four Color Shadow, Green Tron, Classic Niv, Living End. Ooh, Living End. Spicy, spicy. Burn, uh, and Green Black Yogmoth, also spicy. Gotta chime in. Eight top eight, eight different decks. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's pretty exciting. I'm I'm particularly excited to see Living End and Yogmoth. I had heard tales of a Living End resurgence, um, and I've seen it a bunch in the practice rooms, but I had not actually encountered it in any leagues or anything like that. So uh, interesting to see it on the top eight here. 
Yeah, it's man. I wish then, I could have played in these. Maybe next time. <laughs> Round. Rounding out, uh, just going to spot pick some stuff. We got Blue Green Infect at 12. Uh, we have Mono Red M Hayashi at 14. Um, we got a Through the Breach Blue Moon at 15. We got Black Green Rock at 16. Titan Shift at 17. Uh, and at 21, we have Red Green Ponza Shift. Whoa. Yeah, I, I named it that because they had some one Voli Acid Moss and etc. that was not uh, typical of the other uh, Red Green Titan Shift decks that I've been playing, uh, seeing. I like it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, of these um, t- 21 we have listed here, that's that's a lot of one-ofs. There's a, a lot of variety in that. That's uh, that's interesting. I and like the that. the beautiful like thing this. is that there's, between these two challenges in the top 16 of each, there's only one Blue-Red Prowess. Which makes a lot of sense, because I haven't even been seeing it much in the leagues, which is, you know, makes me feel good. I love not seeing it. Yeah, and, and so um, uh, my overarching uh, conclusion from looking at these two was in the four days we see separate between these challenges, which clearly gave enough time for the uh, results of the first challenge to be posted, you can see a quite a large adjustment. Um, now... Maybe this is just random distribution, but I don't think that that's true. I think there were a lot of grinders who pay a lot of very close attention to what decks did well in the previous event, and they tailor either their main deck or their deck choice or their sideboard to beat a lot of those things. So case in point, Heliod doesn't show up until, I believe, 18th place in the second Super Qualifier, so people were gunning for it hard. Um, even more so than usual. Um, so it, it is one of those things where modern is a format where you have a quite a squeeze on your sideboard slots and you have to make tough decisions sometimes about what you think you're going to run into the most, especially at the higher uh, uh, levels of competition. And I think supporting this too, Zach, I think you make a really good point. And supporting all of this is that the Mythic event tokens have been available on Magic Online for the past two weeks. So if you pay $25, you get access to literally every card and all versions except the Secret Lairs, I believe. So like anyone, you know, like if you had the Mythic Event token, you could literally switch your 75 completely for totally free at this point. So like you see, you know, if all the heavy, all the grinders, you see on the first day, okay, all these results, like you can, you know, just like pick up a totally new deck uh, for free and then just keep going with it. So I think that kind of, you know, that adds, that adds at least some evidence that, you know, there was a huge shift in the meta, uh, most also likely because people were able to just switch their decks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 I mean, I love something like the Mythic Token existing, if only because it gives us some moments where we can look at the format and say this is less dictated by budget and more dictated by individual viability. And what what does that actually look like when that is the truth? Um, I love the Mythic Event tokens because you get to use all the cool arts <laughs> in your deck. Give me oh, those yeah. full extended arts. Give me those, you know, like my four Omnaths. Guess what? They are the cool landfall frame. My Mox Opals, they are super cool full art. My Chromoxes, they look nothing like Chromoxes. Yeah, exactly. Give Zach all the old borders. You know, Give me I love gold Omnath <laughs> with, the, with the brown and yellow <laughs> nonsense. I want Old Border Omnath. I want it to be Creature Dash Legend. And then I want it to say in the text box, Omnath counts as an elemental. That That's what I want. I would, I would pay money for that Omnath. 
I want an Omnath where it says, um, on each turn, the first time a land enters the battlefield under your... No, no, enters play under your control, you gain four life. Then the second time a land similarly enters the battlefield and causes this ability to trigger, add, and et cetera, et cetera. I love, no like, the that. Ice Age. No, of course they won't. <laughs> they, won't. they never will. Um, I just... I, I've seen people do these wonderful altars online where they do, like, Ice Age terminology or... Or, or, or uh, phrasing for, for new border cards, and I just adore them, uh, just because they're fun. Um, anywho, <laughs> the point is, uh, Modern's definitely uh, a bit of a format of uh, brutal linear strategies at this point, but that's not overly surprising. We're near the end of a, a season, and, and things have sort of shaken out about as much as they are likely to. Um, there, there have been some really amazing decks that have popped up along the way, um, and the league dumps are as diverse uh, or close to as diverse as they were at their peak. We had 58 distinct lists published, um, and among this glut of wonderfully different available archetypes, Angled Lufa has put up multiple 5-0s with a Urza, Thopter Sword, slash Lantern Control deck. So I had to bring that up for at least Brian's benefit, but also to ask Dr. Combo, how do you feel about this approach to that strategy? So Brian, I know you're chomping at the bit for Urza. What do you got? Uh, I just want to say as a warning to anybody who hears this and thinks that they too can play this deck, just slow your roll. Angled Lufa is a, um, a Lantern Control expert. And I, I just want to put that out there. I've seen some chatter on the Wurza Discord, people being like, oh, look, if I vote again, I think this might be viable. I think it's definitely viable if you're Angled Lufa yeah. <laughs> or if you put in the reps that Angled Lufa has probably put in. I think that it is probably a, a perfectly viable, playable deck. I would not expect to walk into a league and perform well with it unless you put in a lot of time. That, that's my only, that's my, that's my piece. You played it, right, Zach? You actually ran through a league. I have. I did. I did. I, I won forward it in sort of a practice situation. Um, the only deck I was able to beat was someone playing mono, mono blue control. Bless them. Without um, Tron. Without but, Tron. But in a lot of the other matchups, I I did uh, one two. So and that those included things like um, uh, like a Heliod Company style deck and uh, blue red prowess. So it's not that far away from being something you can do uh, i think you'd have to have three to five leagues under your belt before you start really um sort of uh putting together some wins some match wins um i really recommend uh hanging out in the practice room and just getting the reps that way if you have the uh, time and energy to do so um but i will say the the specific way that Angalufa has incorporated three Urzas, one Thopter Foundry, one Sword of the Meek with four War of Inventions is not to be underestimated in, in its, uh, I don't want to say genius, but, but brilliance or whatever. I mean, it, it really, it really works. Uh, I was surprised by how well it worked, even though I was losing and I'm losing by not gigantic margins. Um, so, uh, well done, Angled Lufa. I, I am a, I'm a fan of your work if I can't replicate it, at least. Um, uh, and, uh, I mean, on that same topic, uh, Contra Ego, one of the, uh, frequent 5 owers of the Wurza archetype, has definitely been, uh, getting pretty spanked 
overall. But he is able to put out a 5-0 almost every single deck dump, which is incredible considering the, let, let's call it mediocre uh, power level of the deck in general. And that's Grixis Wurza is his go-to. Uh, I think he's splashing a fourth color right now. I think there's a little bit of white in the deck. I'm not sure exactly where he's at, but yeah, he, I think he he's all over the place. If you follow him on cares. Twitter, if you follow Contra Ego, um, you can you can see all of the uh, list iterations, uh, the five O lists, and uh, he's very detailed spreadsheets on exactly what he faced. Was he on the player draw, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so I'm sure if you um, checked out the um, the Urza Discord, you could get a lot of that information from him or or similar. Yeah, he grinders. plays a bunch, right? Yeah, he's pretty pretty chatty in the Urza Discord. If you uh, if you message him, I'm sure he would be happy to to chat with you about his choices or your choices or whatnot. So yeah, yeah. more power to him. You know, actually, I I wound up playing and trying a little bit of Urza. Uh, you know, I took Spike's good list and I made it ugly. Uh, and it did me okay, so I imagine Spike's list is probably pretty nuts, at least nuts enough. And uh, within the last two weeks, I did finally record on stream playing uh, Spike's teamer trackers a list, um, which proved itself to be way more powerful than I thought it would be, uh, as I did not actually spend that much time watching him play it. Um, so there may be some some room to at least... Uh, refine playing that deck and we're exploring that version of the archetype it was it was surprisingly powerful um and comparable to the old teamer uh, rosa lists so mm -hmm. yeah i i definitely agree maybe we'll talk about it in a little bit but i guess so anyone have any last thoughts on the what they're thinking how they've you know what they've thought of the meta or what they've seen in the meta before we move on uh i i unfortunately haven't had a ton of time to play um this past two weeks but i feel like i've seen a lot of jund Hmm. A lot of Jund and a lot of Death Shadow. Not necessarily Jund Death Shadow. I feel like I, I keep seeing Grixis Death Shadow, but um, just Whoa. in general, a lot of my stuff's getting abrupt decayed. That's why you bring your Veil of Summers. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the um, the highlight of this era will be the return to yeah. 2017 Magic. Let's call it 2017 Magic, uh, where we saw the ban of Uro, Mystic Sanctuary, etc., um, and there are a few new players like Heliod Company and Blue Red Prowess, but Burn is on top of the meta. Jund has been able to fight its way to the top. Is it Prowess or is it Storm? Blue Red Storm has been a, a fairly constant member. Uh, the best control deck has waffled between Blue White for a good chunk of the first uh, era of this format, but then Esper took over for a little while, and now it's like really quite divided evenly between those two there are some people who are hardcore esper players there are some people who are committed to blue white it, it's it's really incredible how this has been like a resurgence of like pre-war pre-modern horizon almost um format and i think probably a lot of people are very happy with that and um the sphere of tier two and those that can rally to be tier 1.5 decks has severely expanded um since 2017 but that's that's great i mean that's that's pretty cool heck yeah yeah i like more diversity mm -hmm. you know as as we were saying last episode i don't want a format that is just you know 2014 2015 20 whenever modern but I, I i like that the old decks are still viable and i like that there's new stuff also popping up that's what i want to see I want to see ever expanding, much like the universe. 
Now, that's pretty fair. I would say I just want to be able to do well with my Jankin' Trophy occasionally. You know, like, I'm, I'm a simple man. That's all I'm looking for. Like, when I, if I, if I can do, if I can get, like, you know, an average of, like, a 3-2 and a 2-3, you know, like, pretty consistently with the deck I enjoy, that's good enough for me. And, like, you know, occasionally, like, I'll get lucky and get the trophy. That's what I'm, and, you know, recently I feel like it's been like that. So maybe it could all be variance because, you know, magic's very high in variance and you kind of forget that sometimes. But I've actually been really enjoying it, except all the Jun Death Shadow that I see. I see them like once a league. And you know, they just like strip your hand, they play a Hex Drinker, and you don't have removal, you don't draw your EE. And then they just, you know, throw in their hand and they, they beat you death to death. At least that's me personally. I, I, I need to ask, do you think that the Hex Drinker is a scary yes, card? Yes, it is terrifying. If you do not kill the Hex Drinker when they, before they pump it up, you are SOL. Yeah, but it takes so long to pump. I don't know. I feel like every time I've seen the Hex Drinker, I've been like, oh, that's cute. And then it dies, you know, in the next turn or two before they get to pump it. I, I will grant you, if it makes it to the to the protection from everything or whatever it gets, like, oh, yeah, that's terrifying. Uh, Ryan, you have to remember, but, I don't run removal. My interaction is engineered explosive, and I only run four of those. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. Makes a lot more sense now. Did yep. you say you only yep. run four of those? Hey, I, you know, they have thought, I can tell you how often I just get stomped by a yeah. creature I can't yeah. remove. Not necessarily yeah. just no. Hex Drinker, but in general. Uh, I mean, I've had the polarized um, experience with Hex Drinker 2. I've been playing Ren in six decks and just, you know, edict, or I just pinged off the, the Hex Drinkers. And I've had the opposite thing happen where, you know, you have to kill their Tyramagoyf, then you have to kill their Scourge of the Skyclaves, then you have to kill their Death Shadow. And all the while, this little 2-1 is all of a sudden becoming a 4-4 with pro instance, and then all of a sudden becoming a 6-6 uh, with pro everything, and, and you're really in trouble. Um, and Luris can bring it back. You have to kill the Luris. I mean, you can't gotta kill the Gotta kill the Luris. Always kill you gotta the kill the Luris. So, um, I mean, I, I think the, the huge number of people that have fully adopted the Hex Drinker just can't be can't be understated. I mean, it, it, it is clearly the correct direction for them. Um, yeah. But this might be one of those things where you, once upon a time, the Red Prowess decks and the Blue Red Prowess decks adjusted away from playing Lavadart and away from playing, like, any free spells. There was a little while where they are playing zero Mutagenic Growth and zero Gut Shots um, because the only removal that they needed to worry about was Fatal Push, etc., and then we can see it's flipped back and it's flipped forward and it's flipped back and it's flipped forward. I mean, this is the sort of ebb and flow of the, the modern metagame. Um, so it, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a crazy wild ride. And the people who are like super, like the grinders who are really in tune with all of this and all the great ways to select the right deck. Uh, th those are the people to, you know, see, uh, their opinion on what is going to be good next um, because what's good right now is pretty easy money but uh, <laughs> what's going to be good next is a lot harder to predict you, you made a lot of words there and the takeaway that i brought home was play more ensnaring bridge that that may be the case i mean yeah, if angle lufa is able to 5-0 with this deck with with the uh the lantern deck then that that may very well be true I'll have to test this theory. We'll have to find out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I would be worried about the number of Skyclave apparitions still floating and fluttering around, uh, even though they don't, oh, they even though they don't fly. <laughs> but uh, definitely less though, which is nice. Uh, I guess we'll have to see.
All right. Well, uh, let's leave the meta at that. And um, so we we talked a little bit about some Strixhaven spoilers on the last episode. But at that point, we didn't actually have a ton spoiled. Um, anything jumping out at either of you guys that, that you're, like, super excited to talk about? I'm seeing a lot of, like, just kind of middle of the road, seems solid uh, instance and sorcery. Some of the removal seems particularly strong. Um, I was just listening to, uh, I don't know what episode. I'm backlogged on a bunch of stuff. Me too. But um, Faithless Brewing. And, and they were saying, you know... Kind of the same thing, uh, but they did point out some of the removal spells and some of these like mastery uh, spells and some other things that, you know, nothing seems like a crazy build around, but it does seem like there's a lot of just like pretty solid middle of the road stuff that's going to start showing up in lists. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to go. I don't have too much to say on this. I mean, I'm still mostly excited for Valentine, Dean of the Vein, you know, one black oh, yeah. enabler. I think I'm just going to throw a mono black. Uh, Mox Amber deck together just you know probably gonna be terrible, but it's gonna be fun It's gonna be enjoyable and we're gonna add Bob because I love Bob uh, And otherwise, you know, like I'm not really Not really intrigued by much else. I think well, I think there's some cool cards, but for me I'm going to treat this as more so I'm gonna watch where the chips fall and I'll grab them from the floor uh, Rather than I'll rather than being the one to toss them <laughs> on the floor You know, I'll, I'll let other people do that kind of hard work and if I see something cool uh, I will definitely go for it, but otherwise, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I'm think I think some of these cards will be a lot of will be fun and interesting in uh, Auslander or Seven Point Highlander, you know, just like clever Luminomancer. And it's probably going to be really good in modern, but also, you know, one more in a singleton format. That's one more one drop for the red white prowess deck, which you know could be very relevant. Uh, so yeah, otherwise, you know, I'll let you two uh, talk more on it, but I'm probably just gonna. I'm probably just going to steal, borrow people's ideas if they look really intriguing to me and try and win with janky 1-1s. Beg, borrow, and steal. This is how you become successful in the arts, sir. Unfortunately, it's kind of how you get success in anything. Yes, but the most important thing is to be a tasteful thief. If you're going to be a a thief, be a tasteful thief. Yeah, you know, as long as you give credit, it's not plagiarism, right? Oh, no, no, no. That, I don't think that was the point of that quote at all. I think the point was, whatever you steal, just make sure you use it better than anyone ever has before, and then people won't really be mad about it. Oh, no, I'm going to steal things. I'm going <laughs> to use them for worse things, and then people will still not be mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. How about you, Zach? Anything jumping out at you? Uh, I, so um, I... I dumped together a bunch of the cards that are like vaguely piquing my interest um so i mean i I was gonna poke at jiggy with some of these um specifically because i want to see where the 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 combo busted brain goes where where the obnoxious uh sort of uh exploit this and actually kill people brain goes with this stuff i'll do Um, my best i mean yeah it's 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 I, I mean, the the um, the obvious ones are, are clever Lumamancer and uh, the the Leonin champion dude, um, both of which have Magecraft to swole your team pretty heavily. Um, I think we don't really need to do the work on that because other people are going to be prowess aficionados about it. Yep. Um, and time will tell where that hive mind is able to solve that. Um, 
multiple choice is interesting to me, but overcosted. Uh, Test of Talents, that's a counter target instant or sorcery spell for one and a blue. I mean, this is really a control player's kind of card. It's like a. Um, what, what was the card from a long time ago? Like Lobotomy, but you actually counter the spell and then you get rid of all of them. Oh, Lord, Lobotomy. Um, I remember that yeah. card. Tempest, baby. Yeah. Um, Sedgemore Witch is just fair and kind of awesome enough for me to be interested in. It's a three mana, three, two prowess with ward play, pay three life. So anyone who wants to target your Sedgemore Witch has to pay three life in addition to other costs in their spell. And she also has Magecraft. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you get a one, one black and green pest. But the problem with that card is like so many of the uh, initial ideas I have for that are like permanent based decks and they're not playing that many instants and sorceries. So I, I just feel like a lot of these cards fall into that spot. Um, yo, yo, hold on. My, so can I offer you yeah. in some true jank with all these mm. pests around? Bring it on. Duskwood Liege. Oh, it's Creekwood Liege. Creekwood Liege, my bad. Okay. 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 It's a 2-2. Two -two. Yeah. Uh, but it also has, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a 1-1 one, one black and green worm creature token onto the battlefield. Okay. Okay. And, right. okay, so we can't unearth that um and uh it um uh anywho i think we'll burn <laughs> that bridge when we get to it um <laughs> yeah, buy, buy you yours now but with all the pests you know you got to get them now before they just go up way too much can yeah can't maybe mtg uh, finance spec, let's go spec on some creekwood leeches um <laughs> i think I think to be to be to be to cut to the chase here, the the two cards I'm actually the most excited about are, are two sorceries. R one is uh, Body of Research. So anyone who played Unhinged, uh, no, uh, Unstable, Unstable will be familiar with the concept of Animate Library. Um, so this is green, 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 blue, blue, blue sorcery. Create a zero, zero, green and blue fractal creature token. You put X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the number of cards in your library. So it's fatal pushable. It has no evasion. Um, I mean, if you wanted to do some kind of splinter twin green, blue control deck or bant control deck, you could have played um, Awakening of Vitugazi before now. Uh, this is obviously slightly bigger for slightly more color-intensive cost. Um, I don't actually think there's a lot of competitive viability to this, but God bless it, I'm going to try. Oh, well, I mean, you know, there is a Splinter Twin with it, right? Well, it's a uh, delayed Splinter Twin, uh, mm. uh, Simic Ascendancy. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but that, I mean, the problem with that is the same as the problem with just trying to attack with it, right? There, you just, <laughs> you have to get to your next turn and the, that i mean that's just problematic you know um the ozolith the ozolith takes the counters oh. and the ozolith gives the counters to the walking ballista and the walking ballista kills the opponent i uh, don't forget uh blink moth or ink moth nexus blink moth would be big enough to kill them in one hit with this there you go see see now you're thinking you got some arc bound ravagers in your deck that's deck playing that's a six mana sorcery green, yeah green green um, blue 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 yeah <laughs> So I feel like the way to do that would be to turbo that out in something like a Kinnon deck. Um, the Kinnon deck lends itself mm. to being blue-green and full yep. of uh, artifact mana, and you sort of primeval titan this at them where you're casting it on turn three 
reliably. And so you you just you just sort of say, listen, if they're playing Fatal Push, I'm gonna suck. But if they're not playing Fatal Push, if I can resolve this on turn three, there's a reasonable chance that I can win the game off of it. Um, there also might be some pretty acceptable ways to give it trample. I haven't explored that option yet. Um, so, is it legendary? You know, no, it's not. I was like, Okinawa, Temple of the Grandfathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the Temple of the Grandfathers? Yeah, the one green. It's but like the, the... Doesn't that give plus one, plus one? It doesn't oh. give trample? Oh, darn. It you're gives plus one, right. plus one. Oh. It doesn't give trample, it's I don't so think. bad. No, I think yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty doesn't, bad. Um, doesn't the, the Footfall Crater give trample in haste? No, just haste, just I'm pretty haste. sure. Oh jeez! Yeah. Oh jeez! Yeah. <laughs> oh jeez, man! It's it's just not it's not doing it. Yeah, it's not um, not looking great, guys. Not looking great for this card. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dragon's Guard Elite um, is cut from the same cloth as uh, Quiron Dryad, one of my favorite cards of all time. That it's not particularly good at doing anything. So this is a two mana two two. It's a bear. It has Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. It also has an ability that says six mana, double the number of counters on it. I don't really think that that's something you can reasonably be expected to do um, in most games. And, and this is just one of my favorite kind of creatures, but it really feels like a limited kind of thing to be doing. And I just don't know if you can like play that in a control deck with you know fatal pushes and everything right yeah, now. But the other card that I actually meant to talk about was, and is, and I think Jiggy might be with me on this one, it's the Big Mama Jama, the Big Mama Jama, Crackle with Power. So, if you want something to do with your mana ramp, let me, let me, let me try to sell you on this. You've got XXX Red Red. It deals five times X damage to each of up to X targets so if you can get all those x's to four which is 12 plus two which is 14 mana you can deal 20 damage to uh, four targets but i mean i think you're really doing only 20 damage but if you get it up to uh nine plus two so 11 mana you could do 15 which is probably good enough to end the average game of modern maybe um, this is why they pre-banned channel and historic yeah, I mean, uh, there, I mean, I think there's other reasons. Um, <laughs> fight, fight with fire already existed as a way to spend, I believe, eleven mana on, no, nine mana on ten damage, um, and you can play yeah. expansion, explosion, or double cast with that to do twenty. Um, so yeah, there's Urza's rage was, also, which uh, is not modern. Yeah, legal. yeah, or I think I think Urza's rage while it is uncounterable, ends up being worse mana for damage than Fight with Fire, I believe. Yeah, I think it's like and 11 And you can't 10. divide it, um, which, you know, may or may not be relevant. Um, any interest in ramping into Crackle with Power? Because I just, I just love that card. It's just five times X. I don't think five times X has ever been done before. Yeah, I don't know how you get this kind of mana, honestly. Like, 11, like I mean, the thing is, like, this is cool, but, like, if you have 11 mana, I kind of just want to cast an Ulamog, you know? Like, that's kind of fun. Yeah, but other people do that. <laughs> that no I, one's thinking of doing so this plebeian. terrible thing. All right, okay. So, like, here, if you actually want to try and make this work, like, based on what I know, I think I'll try, like, a blue-red Mox Amber Legendary Wizard Shell where, like, I've always been super intrigued by Kazar Royal Chaser, the blue-red 1-2 mm. haste flying uh, Legendary Wizard in Zendikar... 
and the most recent Zendikar that taps to the next spell you cast, the next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn costs X less, where X is the number of wizards you control as this ability resolves, uh, which is, you know, kind of hilarious, but the big issue, you know, that card is pretty interesting, but the big issue is like, you know, you tap it and you get one reduction, like that's pretty garbage. But like, and if you have a six reduction, like what the hell are you doing? Like, what are you casting that's got like eight mana in your deck that like you can actually cast for other things? And so it actually works amazingly well with X spells. Mm. Because with X spells, you know, you can just, you get to reduce and you get to reduce the X. Uh, and so let's see. So, you know, if you have three with, so what if you just have X equals one? If X equals one, that's five mana and you deal five damage to anything. Four, four, yeah, four mana. You give four mana for five damage, or nine mana for ten to two targets. Well, it's well, it's X. Or there's three X's, seven? right? So that'd be five yeah. and two reds. So X equals one is five mana for five damage to one target. X equals Ruby, two. You're reducing it by one, right? Well, no. Well, so it's for each wizard you have in place. So if you have like three wizards, you know, like if you right, have right, a, right. if you have a Kazaa and you know maybe a Snapcaster Mage and uh in a Baral. You know, now yeah. we're talking, you're getting one, two, three, four. You're getting four discounted. Yeah. And, the and other, uh, Goblin Electromancer is also double counted there. Yeah. Um, the other, like, the interesting thing, too, is, uh, you know, I used to, when in ex old Extended, I used to play Burning Tog, which, oh, my gosh, Nicecape Familiar, Modern Horizons 2, please, that would be, like, and Psychotog 2. Uh, but well, second talk has to be there. I mean, that's just ludicrous if it's not. I would be, I'd be upset. I would, I'd be physically upset if, if second talk is not rep at least referenced in Modern Horizons too. But the kind of the cool thing was like you had Nightscape Familiar, and so you just go like turn three, cast Nightscape Fam Familiar, and you have one blue mana up, and you can you know now you have Remander Memory Lapse, uh, which was amazing. Uh, but you know, just like with Mox Amber, you can in Modern you can do stuff like turn two Bur Mox Amber, cast Baral, and you have a and we have Mox Amber. You can cast Remand, you can cast Condescend for X equals 1. Condescend is also really interesting because it's one of the payoffs. Like, if you have a Baral and a Kazaa, you know, you can essentially pay 1 mana and you can Condescend for 3. Which is like, you know, like a 1 mana mana leak that scries 2 is pretty nutsos. You know, and, and that gets your That gets your 5 cost Crackle with power up to dealing 10 damage to 2 targets. Yeah. so you you're know, reducing like is, it by 3. I played a deck like this in the... Faithless Brewing Community League where it was like Pioneer Tribal Week and so I just threw these all and it was actually and then you know, I think you also get Jai's Emulating Inferno which is pretty interesting when you have all the cost reductions and I did I did pretty well I drew I drew pretty poorly but the deck like performed surprisingly well so I do think there might be I'm probably going to pursue it one time when you know I get a little bored and I have a lapse in judgment and we're like oh let's <laughs> let's let's do Blue Red Mox Amber Wizards because you know we can definitely balance legendary wizards creatures Instance and sorceries and mox ambers. That makes sense. <laughs> I mean, well, uh, just just looping back to my complaints about this set, though. I feel like expansion explosion is a more exciting balanced card than anything in this set, and is more exciting to me as a as an instant sorcery sort of themed card than than anything that is in this set. And and, and that plus fight with fire might be just the better way to take that deck. But I'm interested in playing that jank. Yeah, you know, like, I, I want to, you know, like, imagine how good it feels to cack with power X equals 5, you know? Like, it probably feels great. Oh, in, in standard, I did fight with fire with expansion. Deal 20. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's like <laughs> it's... Old, old Solidarity and Legacy. At one point, I was splashing red, so that way you could Cunning Wish for Urza's Rage with all your mana, and then you would twin cast it. <laughs> <laughs> 
uncountable take 10, nerd. Take 20, you twin cast it. Oh, you twin cast. Right, right, right. right. Classic. Um, Anything else, Zach? Uh, there's two final mentions here. Uh, they're pretty quick. So Silver Quill Silencer. So this is very similar to Meddling Mage, but very aggressively costed. And it is a human. So it's black and a white for a 3-2 human cleric. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you choose a non-land card name, just like Meddling Mage. And instead of prohibiting your opponent from casting it, instead, you have a trigger where when they do cast the spell, they lose three life and you draw a card. Now, the nice thing about this is it's a two-cost human that says 3-2, so that's incredibly efficient. Like, Whoa, I think yeah, that I is... didn't even realize... Yeah, it's wonderfully aggressively costed. Um, and two, it doesn't have to go into something like Five Color Humans or another deck that is specifically tribally based. You could play this in any kind of black-white deck because any kind of black-white deck is going to be playing things like Inquisition and Thoughtseize where you can see what is in their hand. So if you have a reasonably aggressive setup, then at minimum you can start naming their removal. So at the worst case scenario, they play the removal card, they kill your Silver Quill Silencer, they take three, and you draw a card. And that's assuming you didn't get to attack with it. Um, if you did, even better. Uh, if they have to cast something else, if they're not playing a lot of removal, I mean, that's just a wallop of three life, and you draw a card. I mean, that's crazy, right? Yeah, that seems pretty good. Seems and I do want to also point out the artwork is very evocative of the artwork on Meddling Mage as well. Mm, yeah, especially the Alara one, right? Sort yep. of walking through yep. the flames. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. Or in this case, maybe crackling lightning, but either way, it's kind of awesome. Yeah, I think this one this one is one of those ones that, kind of unassuming at first, maybe, but uh, you kind of stare at it a little bit, and yeah, I, I think we're going to see this. As a as a janky combo player, I know this card's gonna wreck me. Like I just I see it. <laughs> I, mean, I see it happening. It's like, oh, you know, like um, it's not they made Amber, and you've got a breach, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> well, it seems like a pretty good combo with your boy Tide Hollow Scholar, right? And Kitesail Freebooter and Meddling Mage, and just all of these kind of mess with your opponent's uh, hand and ability to play things. I've kind of thought about that deck, you know, just like four Freebooter, four Scholar four meddling mage like four of these you know just like all of them like four peak just like stare at your hand rip apart your hand <laughs> and just like not let you play cards and you know hope you get there yeah beat him down with a bunch of bears that are not even particularly <laughs> hateful less it than hateful like bears we'd call it less than hateful bears yeah well i mean the, and the thing is though like imagine that you play this you name their removal spell and you also get a thalia into play it's like, oh, that's such a pain. Because they're like, okay, I kill a Thalia and I free up my mana a little bit, but then they, I lose three and they draw a card. Twice at least. Like, brutal. Brutal. Um, assuming that your removal is a little bit narrow, which oftentimes it is. So yeah, it's certainly worth considering. Yeah, that's actually kind of... So here's a question. You know, just like... So you played this, you name Fatal Push, whatever. Like... If it were a meddling mage, when do you think you would rather have them kill it for the card, or when do you think you'd rather have them not able to cast their removal spell? Uh, well, I, th I think it's just one of those things where it's like you're just reasonably happy one way or the other. Um, yeah. And you need to enable it a little bit. Like, me meddling mage in the, in the blind, in the dark, is a bit of a, bit of a, a wild shot, and you, you got to get lucky. Um in this case, it's not as much of a denial, but your fail state is better because it's just a 3-2. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And when you do have information on their hand, which it being a black card, you're more likely to have. Um, not that meddling mage, you usually you usually play meddling mage with ways to look at their hand. But assuming you have to play it in the dark, um, when when you when you miss, I mean, at least you had a three two, I guess. Yeah. Instead of a two two. I can buy that. Well, yeah. And and I, I imagine, like, this is a trigger on cast, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you're playing this maybe in Esper. Uh, maybe you have a remand. Yeah. Just, like, keep giving them their spell back. Spell like, color. Here, no, take it back to hand. Take it back to hand. That That's actually kind of nasty with if, remand. If, I didn't if, consider if that. Ephemerate, just, just slip slide. I still got it. I get to yeah. name something else now. <laughs> yep, exactly. Like, just make them tax them. Just make them keep paying the three life and, and dodge and removal or whatever. Unearth it. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like, let them kill it, unearth it, name the next thing that's a, a problem for you. Right, right, exactly. So I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of people that die to this card um, in ways that they're not expecting. And uh, finally, 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 uh, I, it would be remiss of me not to mention the Biblioplex. Somehow not a legendary land for reasons that are, of course, beyond me. Uh, taps for colorless <laughs> comes into play untapped, um, and it has a two mana activation that says, "Look at the top card of your library. If it's an instant or sorcery card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. If you don't put the card into your hand, you may put it into your graveyard." Okay, kind of all upside. And then it has a final line of text, kind of a downer. Activate only if you have exactly zero or exactly seven cards in your hand. So homage to uh, Library of Alexandria, um, but uh, it also has the zero mode. Now, uh, upon seeing Squatchy bring this up on stream, um, people proposed that this could be played in burn until someone pointed out that this land doesn't cast basically any of the cards in burn uh it taps for colorless <laughs> mana very few of their cards actually have any generic mana costs associated with them uh, but i am interested for first impressions of what you guys think this could see play in uh, I, I think as a one of in blue white controller decks like that it's certainly possible um because that would be the kind of deck that would be aiming to use this with the uh you have seven cards in your hand and you get to draw a card that thirty percent of the time, maybe. I I mean honestly, this card seems terrible. I'll be very surprised <laughs> if it if it sees any sort of any sort of competitive play. I mean, you know, seven or zero, like that's yeah. I mean, that's hard. You know, it's having if you've ever like tried to play vintage cube or mess around in these you know singleton uh, Highlander formats where you can play library, library. If you don't have library on turn one, you know, just like library is kind of bad. Like if it's in your opening hand on you know on turn one, it's just like turn one library is a great play, and it's very hard to lose those games unless your opponent you know just goes absolutely bananas. But otherwise, if you don't if you draw it not on turn one, it's kind of you know not great because it's hard to have seven it's hard to have seven cards in your hand and play things on the board. Like it's just there's there's inherent tension between that, and this has a it's got a slightly better fail state that you know you can do it if you have zero, but oh no I'm. I'm not remotely excited by this, but you know, I'm very happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure where I would see this. I mean, the the being able to do do it when you're hellbent seems more relevant than doing it when you're you've got seven cards in hand. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I could see it maybe slotting in uh, a control deck. Um, 
maybe we'll get some sort of echo of Eon's madness where, you know, you draw your seven or oh, whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's... With Time Twister effects, that's a really good call, Brian. I hadn't considered that. That is... Yeah. Okay. So, okay. That if I uh, That's a good call. If I were to, like, mess with this, I think it would be in that. Like, that would be, you know, a shelter that I would do it in. Mm-hmm. Um, makes sense. I just... I really like that card as an homage to library, which feels mm-hmm. like pretty fixed. And it has an interesting second mode of being uh, viable when you when you have zero cards in hand. Whether or not that's your goal, you know, if you're playing an instant sorcery rife deck, this may be something you consider. Um, so <laughs> um, that's the last of the strict saving cards that I pulled to point out. Um, I think overall while I'm uh, not super enthused about its ability to sort of alter my perception of what instant and sorcery theming can be, I'm generally fairly excited about some of the small upgrades, some of the um, rule of eight introductions we've had here, and some of the uh, just sort of novel cards like Body of Research and Crackle with Power. Um, that these are introducing into all sorts of formats, and it should be a cracking good uh, limiting for- limited format. I mean, that just looks great. Yeah, it looks pretty. Less- good. Lessons seem awesome for limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. You know, I, I love me a wishboard, and one of these days I'm just gonna go all out. We're gonna have a 15 card wishboard with four card and four fey of wishes, and we're just gonna hope for the best. <laughs> so something uh, just as a, a a brief last thing something that i haven't really heard discussed or, or many people mention but the the fail mode on um the learn cards is that you get to rummage and the fact that rummage was just tacked on to a bunch of color uh cards in a bunch of different colors seems possibly relevant because oftentimes when you're looking for self-discard effects you're you know, looking at red, maybe you're looking at black, and you're looking for, like, specific cards to do that. And the fact that we now just have this influx of cards that can allow you to discard things uh, seems possibly relevant. And I I haven't really looked too deep into how many of these are actually playable, um, but it's on my to-do list. Well, I think famously... Uh, host of Faithless Brewing, Cave Dan, posited that uh, looting is better than just drawing a card. Uh, full stop. But this and is rummaging. This is not looting. This is rummaging. The jury is out on the value of rummaging. I'm not saying that Cave Dan said the words that rummaging is better than drawing a card. Um, but what I am <laughs> saying is um, the, these cards may be better than they look. Um, same with the um, a lot of these modal cards um, that I'm not super high on. Um, as usual, they may prove to be greater than the sum of their parts. Um, there is a laughably bad card that is like the worst version of a braid ever. Uh, it's like three mana, deal one damage to anything or destroy target artifact. That card's definitely not good enough. But Rip Apart, which is the white-blue sort of uber removal thing that is uh, deal three damage to target creature or planeswalker or destroy target artifact or enchantment. I really can't see that card getting all the much play, but I may be totally off base. Um, I just feel like Lightning Helix is so much better at the first mode, and there are other things that are much better at the second mode. And so, it's a sorcery, but, which is the biggest thing. I mean, it will just, you yeah. know, I think just going to have to 
stick it in a deck and see if you have <laughs> see if you regret sticking it in your deck. You know, that's that's what how I if I'm really a conflict on a card, I will put it in my deck and I will see if I regret it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's I can tell you. that's the power level that these things are all at, and, and that's an interesting place for these to be. It feels like a lot of these are on the level of adventures. Not every adventure is playable, but my god, are the adventures that are playable like format staples. Fair, fair. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's take a short break, and when we come back, we will uh, update you on some of our mentor brews. Welcome back. So, uh, you know, we decided, or I guess I decided to, you know, to, to jump back in with the mentor. Um, you know, I was thinking that we were in sort of this fair-ish metagame and having a, a, a threat that could snowball out of hand was maybe the way to go. Um, and so I started off my journey with an Esper mentor list. And so I, I think I had mentioned in the last episode that I was trying all sorts of nonsense. I mean, I threw all sorts of nonsense into a pile and I pretty sure I mentioned it was bad. It was bad. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm last episode. I'm on this list right now. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I, this is the refined list, and I am not—I am not exaggerating. This is the refined list. You should see his face. I mean, the I'm refined list has like, two bolus citadels. This list looks very similar to something I would try, except like you know, Lotus Bloom. Lotus Bloom is too much for me, man. Like I'm—I cannot. Like I go deep. <laughs> Why is there Lotus, one Lotus. Mox Tantalite? <laughs> oh, I had four to start. Uh-huh. They had to be cut. Uh-huh. They had to be cut. I mean, no I kidding. Could, I could go on a huge rant about Mox Tantalite. <laughs> I think I think there's a way to make it okay, uh, but like, yeah, not not like this. <laughs> and lo- Lotus, okay, so I will go over this deck. I will talk. I will say the deck list because this is just like insanity. And you know, I do love my. I do love me some good insanity. So we have uh, 19 lands, uh, Esper fetches, Esper mana base. Keep it simple. Four Lotus Bloom, one Mox Tantalite, uh, praise be to him, Mox Tantalite is amazing. Uh, four Bobble, four Amber, four Hedron Crab, because you know, we're just doing it. Three Unearth, four Chromatic Sphere, four Chromatic Star, three Mentor, four Emery, two Luris, two Spolus Citadel, and two Dance of the Mance. And alright Brian, so please tell me what you learned from this. <laughs> Uh, so the big thing here is that I actually really like Bolus's Citadel, yes. and I really like Dance of the Mance, especially with the Lotus Blooms. Um, I think I sent you guys a screenshot of... Uh, I had, like, managed to get a bunch of the Lotus Blooms into the graveyard, and then I brought them back out with Dance of the Mance, and I'm going off with Mentor Tokens, uh, and Bolus's Citadel, just, like, casting stuff off my library... And I come to another Bolus's Citadel, I bounced it to hand, I cracked my Lotus Blooms, I cast the bol- well, first I activated the first Bolus's Citadel, and then I cast the second Bolus's Citadel and activated it also, uh, nuking a bunch of tokens in the process. Um, and so there were some fairly explosive plays that you could make with oh, this. Oh yeah, I mean, if this deck's uh, not explosive, you know, like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> But, I mean, all told, it was there were better ways to be a combo deck with <laughs> Monastery Mentor. Um, 
you know, I think this was just kind of like, I wanted to try a bunch of different yeah. stuff and, and start to refine. And as I was refining, one of the things that I kept coming up against is I want to cut mentor. And so that was when I decided to put this on ice. Um, I definitely want to revisit the Citadel and the dance of the manse and all that other business. But I think I want to do it without mentor. Um, I, it just didn't feel like it was a particularly good mentor deck in particular. Yeah, I can. T- I think another thing too is like you, your creature count is so low that mentor just like is probably gets killed on the spot. You know, like in our other, yep. you know, in the Kinnan shells or like in the Grixis breed in the Lazav breach cell. You know, you have Lazav, you have Luris, you have Emery, you have just like all you know Kinnan. You have all these, you have Dark Confidant. All these cards that need to be killed on the spot are they going to do something? So like you might have a hand with four creatures and each of them needs to eat a removal spell. Your opponent only has three removal spells and your fourth one survives. But if your opponent has three removal yep. spells, your mentor is never going to live. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I didn't want to go up on creatures uh, because of mentor, mm-hmm. but I also didn't have a lot of great targets for unearth sometimes. Yep, yep, or, yep. you know, it, it, yeah. Uh, the Hedron Crab Mill, obviously pretty sweet. I think that's pretty well established at this point. Um, and it was good for getting the Lotus Blooms and whatnot into the graveyard. Um, so I definitely want to keep pushing on something in that direction. But yeah, definitely so cut the mentors. let me make a suggestion because this is something I've been, this has been in my brain for a while. You know, I too, I love Bolas to Citadel. The card is fun. It's sweet. It's sick. It's busted. And I used to have like four color kin decks that would use Citadel and Mentor and like do some fun shenanigans. The thing that's really interesting about Bolas to Citadel is if you could find a way to stick it in a breach deck that you cast your bullets to sit it all and as you go to the top of your deck the second you hit a breach in a grinding station the game is over you know like like you just went on the spot with that i mean you do have to work out the what happens if you have to cast your oracle before you combo off and i'm sure there's you know maybe you just have to play a one of i don't know baron or something just like something absurd uh where that just bounces it back to your hand but this is i think it actually could be pretty powerful because you know bullet Citadel is absolutely busted like you you resolve that card you know, like, if anyone's played Vintage Cube, there's nothing more fun than turn one, Mana Crypt, Island, Tinker for a Bolas of Citadel, and just see what the top of your deck does, you know? Feels great. <laughs> Feels amazing. Don't forget Vintage, like... the original place to do that. Oh, yeah, I mean, you can do it in Vintage, too, but, like, you know, I like to do it in Vintage Cube when I can. Uh, but, you know, it's a nuts card, and like you said, just, like, when you have it in this combo shell like this, it kind of becomes, like, why are you even playing Mentor? Yeah, it's fun to go off with Mentor, but then you still need a whole turn to attack. And it's also hard to, yeah. to balance if you know just, like, how do you win without losing all your life, too? Yeah, that was the big thing. And that that was, you know, the Lotus Blooms are good for that and all of the, the zero drops and whatnot, um, obviously. I, I did feel like uh, some of the lessons that we had learned from the Silver Gak list were really helpful here. Um, the Chromatic Spheres and Stars taking things to hand, you know, to clear the top yep, of yep. the deck so that you can keep going off with the Citadel. Um, and so, you know, maybe, uh, maybe looking in that direction... Um, Obviously, the cost reducers don't help in the same way as they do with the Mystic Forge, but um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely something I'm going to keep poking at. Yeah, I just got to say, I'm I'm glad that you did this. You know, like not every not every deck is meant to be successful. You know, sometimes you just got to know if I jam these wild cards in the shell, what's going to work? You know, you don't even have to ask, is this going to work? Because you know the answer is, if I get lucky, I will. But the, the important yeah. question is, what parts of these do work and what parts of these don't work? And how can we rectify that? And, you know, 
this yeah. is this is beautiful if you want to ask those questions it was a lot of fun too i mean there were definitely some games where like it didn't do anything but uh then you know there are these like crazy explosive games where my opponent and i are just like laughing in chat watching as the you know craziness unfolds and uh yeah this is good time so after that when i realized that the cut was going to be mentor i decided to say all right let's let's put the combo plan on ice and try something uh you know let's it, if you can't beat them join them let's play some stoneforge mystic let's play that fair plan you know some snapcaster mages uh, i decided to pull out the old love of uh, dreadhorde arcanist that always burns me but you know it's, you, you can't stop touching uh -uh. it um, so this list was uh, 22 lands, uh, Jeskai, Jeskai mana base, um, 2 Ephemerate, 4 Serum Visions, uh, 2 Spell Pierce, 3 Void Snare, uh, which I thought would be good with um, some Teferi Fun Raveler. Uh, this is not the correct list. This is not I was going to say, list. I don't, I don't see a Fun Raveler in this list. Yeah, so I took a screenshot of the wrong list. Uh, the list that I was playing definitely had the Fun Raveler, which is why I was playing the Void Snares. Sure, um, sure, sure. Also playing four Lightning Bolt, uh, four Stoneforge, four Remand, four Snapcaster, uh, four Dreadhorde Arcanist, four Mon Monastery Mentor, Sort of Feast and Famine, Fire and Ice, Batter Skull. Um, and I think that my cuts for the Teferis were I was only running two of the Dreadhorde Arcanist and three Monastery Mentor mm -hmm. for three Teferi Fun Rattler. Makes sense. Uh, which the Void Snare and Teferi was a really sweet interaction. Um, just putting that one What is there. the, uh, apart from bouncing everything Void's a billion times, what's the interaction? Oh, it's just that you can cast it on their turn at instant speed. Is, so Void Snare is a sorcery, so just getting to, to cast it at instant speed is pretty nice. It's yeah, it bounces a, a non-land permanent to its owner's hand, which oh. at instant speed for one mana is pretty value. I mean, my instant response once I looked up Void Snare um, was that oust may generally be better, which seems a little crazy considering that you're like playing a deck that actually wants to kill your opponent with damage. But I feel like most of the time Monastery Mentor is the kind of card that overkills people. So Oust just being a generally yeah, insanely good removal spell. Um, and I I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but I, I think it actually is really good. Uh, Wait, hold on. Right what's, the, what's the blue-red instant that bounces and they lose a life? Uh, blue-red? Blue, just mono blue. It costs. Well, I thought I was so confused. Vapor snag. Yeah, vapor, vapor snag. Yeah. Okay. I thought. I was that like, only I thought, gets creatures. Right? Yeah. So I thought void uh, snare was vapor yep. snag. I was like, wait, isn't it an instant anyways? Like, I don't, I don't get this big brain to fairy play. But okay, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's no, me. Yeah. That's on me. Void void snare can hit things like artifacts, uh, planeswalkers, uh, enchantments. I mean, it's just everything rather than just creatures, which I think is not to be understated. I mean. You know, if they have, uh, I don't know, if you're able to delay their Karn Liberated and then they, they do resolve it and they go to exile your mentor, you can pop out a couple of tokens in response potentially and then rebounce it and then maybe have enough time to kill someone who's playing Tron or, or what have you. So I, I don't think Void Snare is necessarily quite as awful as most people would assume oh, no. that it is it's as soon as you see it. Definitely not. I mean, 
I'm actually pretty interested in Void Snare, you know, one of these days too, once again, I'm gonna find some bad judgment to find, you know, when I just run out of good judgment and out comes the bad judgment. Just go like an all-in on a Ryo deck. Because uh, Toph, Texas Toph, one of our Discord members mentioned, like when we're talking about Arayo, that Arayo and Lava Dart is actually pretty sexy. Because uh, it's an extra, it's a free spell. Uh, but then also if you wind up milling it with Emery, which you play in these shells, it's another free spell. And Void Snare on that axis can be like repealed 5 through 8. Where like you go, you can go Arayo, in turn 2 you cast Arayo, Mox Amber, Void Snare your Mox Amber, cast the Mox Amber and flip it. And you don't draw a card like you do with repeal, but you still have a turn two flipped Arayo. And I've been thinking about it a lot, actually. That like, the one, the biggest issue with the Arayo deck uh, is that Arayo is the worst card, mostly because if they kill the Arayo when you're going to flip it, you know, you've just put so many resources into just like just losing. But the free spells like Gutshot and uh, uh, Noxious Revival are really intriguing because you like play your Arayo and then cast your second spell. And then you, they bolt your Arayo, and in response, you can like Gutshot or Noxious Revival, and you can flip the Arayo and fizzle their removal spell. Which is, you know, I kind of, I found this, I found out this trick when people, <laughs> a lot of times people will fizzle their own removal spells when they cast, when they try and kill your Arayo. You cast your spells, they like, oh, bolt it as the fourth spell, and the flips, and you're like, jackpot, this is nice. But like... Bing. <laughs> You know, just like being able to control it by yourself for free just, you know, can kind of lead to those blowouts. So this is, you know, I'm like, I think Void Snare, this kind of gives me encouragement again to just make an all-in Arayo list. What do you do once you flip an Arayo? I don't know, you know, we'll figure it out. Winning comes later. First step, flip the Arayo very consistently. Oh, yeah. All right. So, yeah, this list, uh, I think it kind of speaks for itself, um, you know. I figured that I was going to do the mid-range thing, sort of tempo-y plan. Uh, ultimately, this was also pretty medium. Um, Mentor was okay, but not great. Uh, you know, I think it could have just as easily been, like, Young Pyromancer or something else. You know, the, the tokens were not getting consistently big because I wasn't playing a deck that was really going off with a ton of spells. Um, you know, the pump was a little bit nice now and again, but I found myself winning with Stoneforge Mystic more than anything. Uh, I don't think that's like a terrible surprise. Um, Dreadhorde Arcanist continued to be kind of sadness incarnate. Um, you know, super fun if it sticks around, but it never sticks. And when it does stick, you're probably losing the game <laughs> and they're just not removing it because they're about to win anyway. So, you know, it's okay. You can have your fun for a turn. Um, yeah, uh, again, I kind of came back to the place where I was like, you know what, I think it's time to shave Monastery Mentors, and um, then I was kind of like, well, if I'm cutting the card that I'm trying to brew around, maybe it's time to stop and just try something completely new. And so that is where I came to my third and final list, which is uh, a tokens build. And so this is like super out of my wheelhouse. This is not something that I would have ever thought myself playing. Like, I, I am not... I, I don't know. It just... Uh, it, oh it doesn't speak to God, me. Oh my God, it's green-white it gack. I mean, I'm just gonna... Uh, not, I just gotta say, Brian, you... You know, when you posted this in the Discord, and you're like, oh, this is this is sweet, I got a 3-2, you know, I beat these decks, and like, go to Midlots, I'm like, okay, you know, like, this looks up my alley, like, I will give this a go, and I'll talk about me giving it a go. 
but like i'm gonna say you got me good brian you got me good like it was <laughs> i was i was pretty excited pretty optimistic it's like you know brian got a three two and he says he almost beat john like all right all right let's go did you what, what did you oh, talk about my experience I, it was a one four uh, it was one four uh you know i mean Oof. it might have been variance might have been you know just like i you can go over the list but like i'm just gonna say you got me good brian like you got me for for reference, I'm sorry for that. To anyone who does not remember the flash in the pan that was mono white hogak, um, there was a deck last year in the summer, I think later in the summer, that was a mono white tokens deck that was similar to this deck, although I think they just had more token generators, but had intangible yeah. virtue and force of virtue, um, and. Basically, I mean, the reason it got the name was it was it was really capable of attacking for totally ludicrous amounts of damage on turn three and four, like 12 plus damage on turn three and then like 18 damage on turn four. I mean, it, it was pretty wild. And for a very brief window, uh, they had some really great results in some challenges. Um, I think Etron specifically was riding high at the time as well as a couple other decks. It just no one had anything that lined up against uh, Mono White Gak particularly well in competitive tournaments. But then when they tried to take over or to take on the format at large in leagues and stuff, they were just getting eaten alive. Um, so this is reminiscent yeah. of that. Um, with the Legion's Landing, Intangible Virtue, Raise the Alarm, Servo Exhibition, they never played. Um, I think they were playing um, Lingering Souls and um, the, the, the um, what, what is it, the, the Bi Mana? Bi, uh, what, what is that? Spectral Procession. Spectral Procession, there you go. Uh, Bybrid, the Bybrid Mana spell. So is white or two, white or two, white or two. Spectral Procession uh, for three white puts uh, three one one flyers into play, um, and so they had a lot more flyers than you have here. But um, tell me, Zach, what is the most? Why? Why is this list green? What is this? What is this tokens list doing with the green splash? I uh, not 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 overly much, Arun. Not overly much. Um, I mean, <laughs> Arbor Elf and Utopia Sprawl is an incredibly powerful combination that allows you to ramp up to four mana uh, on turn on turn uh, th three. Uh, no, sorry, two. Um, and and with that, you hope to draw one of your two copies of Essica's Chariot, um, or, and this is the fun part, hard cast a Force of Vigor. Um, I, I suppose. Virtue. Oh, sorry. Force of Virtue. Force of Virtue, yeah. There's also, like, men Mentor into Legion's Landing. That is, uh, yeah, that is a sweet that's, one. Oh, that, that, that seems a lot more impressive. For. Or uh, Mentor into another Utopia Sprawl. Sure. But that was the that was the big thing that I was trying yeah. to do. Yeah, I must yeah, say, yeah. I, did, I did like this part. Like, you know, the Arbor Elf and the Utopia Sprawl, which is actually... The reason why I was convinced, like, oh, like, I will try this deck, or sometimes I look at your decks and it's like, okay, I will let Brian try that deck uh, and hopefully get back to me. But this one is like, okay, you know, I will try this. This looks pretty sweet. Is that in the, um, you know, in the Bent Mentor deck that I used to play when Uro, uh, uh, may he rest in peace, uh, but when Uro was around, uh, that you, you have, like, turn one sprawl into turn two Mentor Bobble Amber, and, you know, like, now just you're off to the races, and if they, if they don't kill your Mentor, you might just win next turn, depending how nuts things go. And by adding your Arbor Elf and Utopia Sprawl, like, okay, we've got the turn two Mentor, 
but there's no zero CMC things in here. So I changed my version a little bit, but I was, you know, I do love the Arbor Elf Utopia Sprawl package with Mentor. And, you know, anytime you can slam Mentor on turn two and get some value, I'm all for that. Yeah, so this was kind of my first time playing a token strategy. Um, like I said, not something I'd really be into, but uh, it definitely felt a little bit more cohesive than the previous two decks. Um, I know that you said you had a pretty bad run with it, Arun, but, uh, you know, I beat um, Greentron, I beat Grixis Death Shadow, and Orzhov Stoneblade. My losses were to Jund and Eightwack, and the Jund was actually pretty close. The thing that I found was, like, yeah, they kept, you know, like they had a lot of removal for my creatures but when all of my spells are making two creatures i was able to just keep sticking stuff to the board um their k commands were not great uh having to discard and remove a creature was pretty bad um and that's ultimately what ended up getting me and why the smugglers copters uh kind of got added in um so the, the list that I went 3-2 with was actually slightly different. It did not have the copters. Uh, I actually just had more token makers in that slot. Um, I was running the green token maker uh, sapperling migration, thinking that, like, oh, with kicker, you know, I'm, I'm going to get four tokens out of this. Well, I never ended up kicking it. Um, I actually also had tried variants with the spectral processions, uh, but spectral procession, way too hard to cast reliably on turn three with this. Um, makes a lot of sense in a mono whitelist, but in this was not super great. Uh, Essica's Chariot, never actually cast it. I always had better things to be doing, like I could double spell on a turn or something like that. Um, so I'm not sure if the Chariot is worth it or not, but I figured, you know, copying a token, pretty good. Um, if any of your 1-1 tokens are down and then you have intangible virtue down or force of virtue down, um, you know, you're going to be able to crew the, ch the chariot pretty easily. Um, so yeah, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe this, this, my record versus your record is sort of indicative of the, uh, the flash in the pan that was the mono white Hogak list, <laughs> right? Like it, it, I, I think I had a kind of, you know, it was soft league, um, I, I definitely didn't expect to beat some of the decks that I beat, but like I think my Grixis Death Shadow opponent definitely misplayed a few times. Um, I kept waiting for the Stubborn Denials to like counter a critical spell, and it never came. Jackpot. Um, that's a feel good. Yeah. Right, and, and so that's where I think you know I lucked out for sure. Uh, like I kept expecting, like, oh, I'm going to force a virtue, and I'm going to pitch a card, and I'm going to be down two cards because it's going to get stubborn denied, and then it just never came. And it's like, cool, you have an eight-eight death shadow, and I have like eight tokens, so <laughs> deal with this. Let's see who wins this race. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, it was uh, it felt like a pretty reasonable deck. Um, I don't think that it is like you know it's not great uh it definitely suffers from um not having card advantage yeah that, uh, I, I, I i i noticed that that is for sure yeah that's the biggest thing that i think i would try and change i thought that the arbor elf utopia sprawl package although it is really the only thing that draws you into green i thought it was worth it Mm -hmm. um, being able to get the mentor down. And then even if it isn't like a turn two mentor followed by a legion's landing, you know, maybe it's a turn three mentor still, but just having all of that extra mana on that turn to dump the rest of your hand was really where it was awesome. So, um, I think, 
How did Mentor feel in this deck? Because, you know, it seems like Mentor is kind of just token maker in a token deck. Just like, did Mentor feel super special? Did this feel did this feel like a mon- a deck with Monastery Mentor, or did it feel like a Monastery Mentor deck? Uh, it was... So, I guess my approach going in was that Mentor would be just another token maker. That was That was where I was starting from. And I will say that the hands where I had Mentor were objectively better than the ones without. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't feel bad pitching a second Mentor to cast a Force of Virtue. Uh, so it was like, it was clear that the Mentor was worth having in the deck. It was a very powerful part of the deck. Um, it often ate removal, but like I tried not to cast it unless I was definitely going to get some value out of it. And even one of those tokens could be pretty big game. So um, I think it's actually a good fit for Mentor. It felt better than the other decks. Um, hmm. You know, I, only because it just like it felt like it fit the game plan. Like, you know, the other two decks was really like I was trying to build around it in a combo fashion. And I think that's probably just like objectively the best way to go with Mentor list or, you know, slotted in as this snowball threat and like a more controlling type list. Um, and both of those, you know, they have like proven pedigree. This, you know, everything in the list except for Mentor and Arbor Elf is going to trigger Mentor. So that that right there is pretty nice. Um, but you're still committing a lot of bodies to the board. And I think the fact that Mentor can help further that goal is just, it, I don't know, it, it felt good. Mm-hmm. It was icing. I think that the deck needs work. There needs to be some card draw or some way to recoup the the lost card advantage from Force of Vigor in particular, but you know I think with some tweaks you could probably cut some lands. I was a twenty one lands. Um, you could probably cut the smugg- smugglers' copters and the Essica's chariots to free up some slots there. I was running three main deck Path to Exile, and maybe you don't even need the Path to Exile. Removals you know, you for have chump blockers. For removals days. for people who aren't confident in their deck. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, is there not some kind of green token generator or token payoff or token Sprout token, Swarm, token? the card that yeah. ruined Time yep. Spiral Limited. Does that, what does it have? Convoke and Kicker? And Convoke buyback? and Buyback. Oh, my God. Yeah. Once crazy. again, what? <laughs> hey, it was like the first Hogak, you know? They combined right, two right, different right. abilities, yeah, and it's cards busted. The limited ruining Hogak. I thought about Sprout Swarm, but I was too much of a coward. It just seemed way, way too slow. Yeah. It seems too I mean, slow, but like you cast it and then you're just like, holy crap. You're like, what? Like, this is a common? Like, who? <laughs> and then if you sideboard uh, Oriok Champion uh, or even find a way to main deck it, that'd be a pretty crazy life gain Ooh. engine if you run into any of the decks where you'd be concerned about actually dying. Um, I mean, so I wanted to bring it up earlier, but there's always hope for a deck like this. And and I say that because someone 5-0'd in the last deck dump with a uh, Oketra's Monument, uh, I think it was blue-white deck, that just, okay. when you look at it, it it's, it's one of those things where it's like, no, no freaking way that a deck with, you know... Um, Soul Warden. It's like it's like the worst version of Soul Sis. It's playing Elite Guard Mage, which is a four drop two three that gains you three life, draws you a card, um, with the Oketra's Monuments. I mean, it's it's this this deck looks truly terrible for a Pioneer deck. 
Um, <laughs> and that, I mean, that should just say everything that you could possibly need to say. Um, I think the modern legal cards in it are Soul Warden and Thraven Inspector. That that might be... Oh, no, Thraven Inspector, obviously, Legal and Pioneer. Um, Soul Warden and... Um, I think there was something else that I, that I remember. But anyway, uh, the point being, this kind of creature swarmy deck is... Uh, you know, if you run into nothing but Burn and Jun Shadow or other Shadow decks in general, and it's just like you, you can have a pretty good league that way. Just for the love of God, dodge the Tron matchup. <laughs> you know what other matchup uh, see you want to dodge that I got to play round one? Uh, Blue White Storm. Control. Blue Red Storm. Ooh, yeah. Oof. Yeah. That yeah. was... It was yeah. <laughs> if you want to see me get absolutely massacred, actually, it was wound up being Bryant Cook. Uh, you know, the oh, legacy, nice. The Legacy Storm yeah. expert. Actually, I I know Bryant Cook. Like, we... I went to Underground in Syracuse. Like, we were part of the Legacy series. Like, nice. we played a lot of Legacy. Uh, and so, actually, which is pretty funny that, like, you know, I wound up facing him, but uh, I was—I had a pretty okay start, and then I, you know, he him probably like the best storm player, like you know, across all formats. Oh, he started sure. the green, green white token, so on turn two, he just blows most of his hand to like make eight empty the warren tokens, uh, <laughs> just you know, to stall me out, so then he can just like sculpt his hand perfectly, oh and like you know, I still I had my I saw some token makers. I had the two man enchantment that makes you guys bigger. I had the force to make my stuff bigger. But just, you know, I mean, I think, but, and that's the case, I only wound up with three tokens. And so, uh, and, you know, so I attacked with my, attacked with all my tokens, they ate into the eight goblins, with the force of vigor, ready to flash in with four mana. You know, of course, being a good player, they triple blocked two goblins and double blocked one. So like, I still lost all my tokens. And then I was actually Oof. one turn away from winning when they had the win. So it was, you could argue it was close, you could argue it was not close, I don't really know, but... It, it felt pretty hopeless in game two i was just like what am i doing here like it it's like it's like it's like you bring just like a sock to a gunfight or something it's just like insane. <laughs> I, I felt so yeah, out of yeah, it yeah any any of the the busted linear decks that don't really want to interact with permanence too much those are going to be your problems and uh any of the uh control decks that are running a lot of sweepers although most of them are very sweeper light right now so, oh yeah, my my one win was against Blue Moon, and like that felt amazing because like they're trying oh, yeah. to snap and bolt my stuff, and it's just like and <laughs> it's like end of turn raise the alarm, like it's like do they cancel the raise the alarm? Like do they counter it? Just like I don't know, do you? And then it's just like flash and force and bigger. <laughs> it was it was actually hilarious to just like beat their beautiful deck with my dumpy deck. That felt great, <laughs> uh, but not a lot else did. I'll be perfectly honest, you know, like the. Uh, so I took your list and I kind of talking about the changes that you were talking about. I agreed with some of them. So I cut the chariots, the copters, and the paths, and I put in four bobble and three luris. Because once again, you know, I love. I think in these mentor decks, one of the key things is like you want to have a turn two mentor and like one or two free spells. Like that's really you know like in all the band mentor that I played, like or all the mentor decks I messed with, those are the turbo shots. You know, those are when just like a those are when like I love you know I I love the game like when that's happening and I'm playing like that. But also, you know, the, those matches just feel like they're much closer or sometimes they're just blowouts. So I made those small changes and, yeah, I made the 1-4. Let's see. I lost to Storm uh, and then I lost to Monogreen Tron, you know, no surprise there, as Zach exactly said. I lost the four-color money pile because Omnath does not care about your feelings. I lost to Jun Death Shadow because Hex Drinker and Thoughtseize and Inquisition do not care about your feelings either. Oof. 
And I, I crushed the blue moon though. That felt great. I did not care about the blue moon player's feelings, and that felt nice. I have to say, uh, in my Tron matchup, uh, I did win one of the games with Arbor Elf into Utopia Sprawl into Utopia Sprawl, and uh, that was pretty sweet because I turned into the Tron player. <laughs> I was like, here's my seven mana turn three, bitch. Oh, yeah. And then I dropped a Force of Vigor and swung for, I don't, I don't know what I had at that point, um, and they just conceded on the spot. Nice. Yeah, I, unfortunately, that was not my experience against Tron. I got <laughs> Karned on turn three, and then I got uh, Ulamogged on turn Yikes. four. After being so, I got Karned the Great Creator in game one on turn three, and game two I got Karn liberated into Ulamogged. Yeah, see, that's I like I said, I think I had kind of a soft league. Like my my Tron matchup did not go like I mean, that. It, you know, there was like, I think one of the games they they had two forests out before they had their second Tron land. Oh, so feels good. Yeah. I, they stumbled hard. I mean, the, the think about it, it's like, I've actually been thinking about this a little bit, and like, I don't, you know, there's no such, if your opponents draw well in all five matches, you are not going to get a trophy. Like, straight up, just like, trophies are not, you know, they're not just won by skill. They're, drawn, they're won by your opponents getting screwed. And like, if you watch just like, you know, like if you're like you watch a sparring spike when one he's doing well, just like you'll notice that like he like it, there'll be spots where and you know this is like I watched the stream Legacy Council also you know who top for the Legacy uh, PTQ and like watching watching them play was really cool, but they get they get to be points in the games where like it's pretty close you know like maybe the opponent's slightly ahead and you've got one or two draw steps to hit what you need and like if you hit what you need then like you know you can go and take it up from there and if you don't hit what you need then like you lose. But yeah, oftentimes winning is just like getting getting kind of lucky and drawing what you need when you need it. For sure, for sure. But yeah, so kind of going back to this tokens build, you know, <laughs> it was it was not for me. I just it kind of felt like, you know, I mean, I like hope and pray decks, you know, but this kind of felt like too much of like a hope and pray deck where you just look at your seven. I think it just goes down too many cards and it's like kind of too weak for me to feel really comfortable. Where like. You know, just uh, I did not like pitching cards to force, even though it was necessary. Like, do I yep. pitch this Tracy Dom to force? Like, I get my pump my dudes, but this is you know like four power. I do think that one improvement that could be made is the white uh, MDFC land, the Mythic Rare one. You know, being able to pitch that to mm. force a vigor because sometimes I'd have like more lands than I could deal with, and if I wanted to force a vigor in a timely manner, I still had to I had to pitch like a good card, and now I've got like extra lands and less good cards. Yeah, I think uh, Squadron Hawk is something that a lot of these style of decks have played mm-hmm. um, in order to uh, sort of glut your hand with cards to pitch to Forts of Virtue. Um, that's wonderful if you concede the weird sequencing you're going to have of like Squadron Hawk but you're not going to cast the Forts of Virtue that turn because you're going to cast the Monastery Mentor next turn, but then you're not casting the Force of Virtue on your turn, so it has to go to their turn so you can do it to because you can't pitch on your turn. So it, it's just one of those things that's like... <laughs> Monastery Mentor in that particular deck seems like it should be most other token generators rather than rather than the 2-2 that dies. Yeah, I... I... Yeah. I do want to say, Brian, you're the, what also really intrigued me about the deck was, you know, you had the great idea to 
use the white force as an enabler, as a free enabler for mentor, which is, you know, super cool, like super, you know, very smart. And I was like, oh shit, you know, like that's sweet. I never got to do that. You know, I never got to pitch it to trigger my mentor. Uh, uh, I feel like I did that a lot, actually. That was like, you know, turn two mentor, turn three mentor, and then pitch a f- pitch for force the next turn or oh, like on their okay. turn. Okay, I mean, you know, like that that sounds like we're cooking with some propane, you know. I'm, I'm I never got to do that. It makes me a little sad, but you know, it's a <laughs> it was a sweet idea in paper, and you know, I'm glad that you got to pull it off a couple times. Boom. Yeah. Well, if we can solve the uh, the card advantage problem, maybe there's something here to to keep working with but i think without being able to recoup that card advantage you know uh probably put this one on ice for a little while yeah I yeah it was mentors mentors gonna need a little bit of help and i don't know exactly what that's gonna look like but uh you know what it's gonna look like if i had a guess modern horizons 2 yes um, yeah oh yeah, oh, um, yeah. There might be a bevy of brew revisits uh, after oh. the release of that set. Bevy so, is an understatement. I'm going to revamp everything. Well, yeah, we, we assume so. Um, and uh, not that I want to get into anything, but uh, there have been some crazy leaks um, that have had <clears throat> little to no uh, substance attached to them. But uh, time will tell if this set is going to absolutely shake up and be bonkers or uh, just be another another lovely entry into our modern history. <laughs> another strict Not even that much time, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like not that far off before spoiler season. We have like, what, a month? Not even? Yeah, yeah it's getting little, close. It's um, wild, very exciting times. So, you know, Monastery Mentor had no kind of resurgence recently in modern with which to be inspired. But you know what did? Tireless Tracker. This dude was everywhere. Two and a green human scout. But what most people were doing was not exploiting the full power of this totally operational clue token that you were generating. Uh, But the blessed gift to modern that is Muhan Everett, uh, the one and only aspiring Spike, decided that he was going to do Urza again and play it with Tireless Tracker. Now, this was an idea that was kicked around a bunch. It was in sideboards a couple times. Uh, we've definitely played it in the sideboard before, but this was like, no, 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 that's sideboard crap. No, four Tireless Trackers in your main deck with your four Urzas and your four Gilded Geese, but we're going, we're going deeper. We're going to play the Gingerbread Cottage, which, for those who are not aware comes from the same busted cycle as, uh, sorry, Gingerbread Cabin, um, yep. which comes from the same yes. busted cycle, which, of course, I got it confused with a Witch's Cottage, um, the, the obvious standout of that cycle. Um, this is the forest version, the green vor- version. Uh, it says if you, if, uh, if you're, if, it is a forest, it's a land, um, so it's fetchable, uh, and when it enters the battlefield, if you control three other forests, it enters untapped. This includes non-basic lands that are forests. And when it comes into play untapped, you get a food token, which is, of course, an artifact. So basically what this deck was, uh, or what what the resulting deck was, is uh, a rehashing of the Teamer Rosa list uh, with Tireless Tracker and Gingerbread uh, uh, Cabins. And 
uh, I was very skeptical. I really was. I mean, yeah, you were. Um, well, no, and, and, and I mean, I, still am. <laughs> I did I did a 12-hour stream after the banning of Astrolabe, and I played, like, four, five different Urza decks, and um, the the Teamer one that I played was uh, what our 80-card um, uh, Urian Karn Urza deck looked like at the time, and I actually almost 5-0'd. I ended up timing out in uh, on... on uh, on the final um, game there, which was brutal with a lethal walking blister on the stack. Um, but, Ouch. I mean, Oof. it is what it is. Um, so that deck may still have some legs, but this one absolutely does because this one does not involve Uro. So, I mean, I had to grab some screenshots from some of this, and I've, I've played this deck twice now, both times to a 3-2, but they definitely could have been better. It's, it's incredibly explosive. Um, something I haven't mentioned yet is it's playing Ren and Six, it's playing Mistress Bobble, and it's playing Emery. So you get that same kind of crazy mid-range to early um, gameplay where you have these multiple powerful engine cards. Tireless Tracker, Ren and Six, Emery, uh, which are loosely synergistic with each other in a bunch of different ways. I mean, it's just crazy to talk about the overlap in uh, how these cards can be powerful. Um, every artifact you're generating is great for Urza. Um, I mean, it was... I've talked at length with multiple people about how I think, contrary to uh, the opinion of Dave Robertson, that uh, Urza is not a crazy power level card at all on its own. Um, anyone who's ever had to play it in Limited in a medium uh, level deck that doesn't have that many great artifact payoffs uh, can probably attest to the fact that Urza is, is fine, it, I mean, four mana is a lot for what you're getting there, and without any reasonable number of artifacts, it's just lackluster. Yep. I mean, in the decks where he's been good, he's been insane. Absolutely. In the decks where he gets to function as kind of the worst combo piece in a combo that otherwise can win games on its own, okay, also fine. In decks that can do a lot of heavy lifting for him and distract from him so that when you do resolve him, fine. But yep. not Brian. that crazy on its own. Brian loves to yell at the clouds about Urza, so, yeah, so we should I, we should give him some space. Yes, yeah. I I just I mean I I said this uh, and I've said it many times in the past and I will continue <laughs> to say it. I think that the <laughs> fact that Urza and Urza decks are not doing particularly well right now is in part because it was never that powerful. Right, we had these powerful cards banned from the decks. Oko. Mox Opal, Astrolabe, Uro, like all of these cards being banned and suddenly we're not seeing any any artifact decks or, or Urza decks really at the top of the meta. And I think that there's a, a pretty good reason for that. Um, I, I don't know. I think that anybody who thinks that Urza is busted has never cast him to an empty board and gone, cool, I have a 1-1. One, one. Right. And and that and that's the thing is like there's a lot of Jund running around there's a lot of Karn the Great Creators just floating around just brutally hosing you. Um, anyway, the point is um, while Urza is not that strong, if you can construct a shell around it that pays you off for resolving the Urza eventually, that has other synergistic engines, then you can do well with it. And this really in a way that i did not expect is that deck and it can compete with things like burn without arrow it can compete against things like blue red prowess without arrow 
I mean, the secret of this deck is Tireless Tracker and Renin Six. You know, straight up. Like, there's a there's a reason the deck plays four Renin Six and sixty cards. Is that Ren is busted, and, and you know, just like Renin Tracker. Like the thing, the issue with Renin Six is like as a Crucible, it's okay as a Crucible. You know, it's pretty medium. But if you have any sort of payoff towards hitting your land drops, then Ren gets busted. And you know, I think the best example of this is that five color Nib was. You know, I will say this again and again. Five color Nib was the first deck that really showed how nutso's Ren and six was because you know you hit your if you when you first start playing it you play Ren and six you get up to five lands you cast your Nib and then you draw a bunch of cards and now you have so you it gives you the mana to cast your Nibs or you bring to lights. And then it gives you the mana to cast all the cards you drew off your Nibs and bring to lights. So, like, Nib was definitely the first deck to really... I mean, you know, Jun played Ren and Six, but, you know, Jun is not a Ren and Six deck. I, I think Nib is actually a Ren and Six deck, where, like, your best starts are with, are with Ren and Six. And so this, you know, like, you have your payoff of Tireless Tracker now. Ren and Six and Tireless Tracker is, like, nasty. You know, draw two cards a turn while you're hitting all your land drops and making, like, oh, jeez. So, if... Renin Six is a worse Crucible. Does this deck want to play Crucible? No, because it is an artifact. No, no, okay. no deck wants to play Crucible in Modern. Fair. Three is a lot Fair. of mana, and you like except for like that, that's true. Etron that's true. in their Karn Wishboard in very very specific metas. Yes, yeah, no. The only thing, the only land you should be casting out of your graveyard with Crucible of Worlds is Wasteland or Stripmine. If you're casting any other lands, you're not doing it correctly. Maybe Ghost Quarter right. if you're really desperate. I'll take it. Yeah, so uh, kind of going off what Zach said, I saw this list and, you know, I actually, and when I was playing, uh, but the seventh uh, Auslander list that I play is a blue-green Rosa list, which I love. And in that list, in that deck, you get Crop Rotation and uh, Talarian Academy. And if you've ever Crop Rotationed into a Talarian Academy with a Tireless Tracker on the board... If you've never done that, let me tell you, it is nuts. It is like crazy what you can do. So that actually, you know, that interaction got me super interested in Tracker in these lists. You know, we don't get we don't get Claren Academy. Very sad. Uh, but uh, so I I took Spike's list and I Yorianified it. You know, adding Kinnon, etc. Because I like to take good lists and add bad cards. Uh, and I definitely added bad cards. And it was I I two three the league. Uh, there were flashes of greatness. Uh, the biggest. I mean, the, the two biggest issues with the deck were that, and when you Yorif when you Yorianify your Urza deck, you don't draw Urza as often, and Urza is busted. Issue number one. Uh, then the second issue with the deck is Kinnon. It was just not very good in that deck, you know? Like, Kinnon, Kinnon needs Uro, you know? Just like, you, the extra mana with Kinnon doesn't really do much, and if you can actually find, if you can make Kinnon's activated hit something, you know, if you can hit consistently, then it's kind of okay. But like Tireless Tracker, that's a human. Urza, that's a human. Like, oh boy, you flip Kinnon and like you hit a goose. Like, no, not, <laughs> not, not exciting. Or or the second, it's always the second Emery. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you know, like before you hit the second Emery, it's like maybe I'll mill an Uro and that'd be sick. Uh, but not anymore. So, you know, it was, I, I took a good list and I made it bad and I still did, you know, pretty good. And then uh, there were flashes of greatness. I think I want to, you know, actually take this list again. I want to try killing the Chromatic Stars for Mox Ambers. You know, I know Spike's not super high on Mox Amber, and it's definitely a little clunky. But I see you would I would get these starts of you know turn two Ren and six, and then you have your Mox Amber, and then you have turn three you can play your Tireless Tracker, and then play a fetch and crack the fetch, and like now you've got like 
on turn three you get to play your crack your tracker and a fetch land which kind of you know just sets you up to the races uh so i want to try more stuff like that and also i'm a sucker for mox ember and yeah i mean it was sweet you know urza urza and tracker feels good feels very good yeah, I mean, you had me at four Renin six, so I guess it's time I give this. A <laughs> yeah, try. I mean, all, all, all I can say about it is I know I sent some screenshots to the Discord of like just bonkers turn like threes, fours, and fives of just like how much crap I got onto the battlefield, um, and uh, that that is all uh, or or very similar things are recorded uh, on the YouTube video that I have up which is uh, labeled as Teamer Trackers. Uh, so if you head on over to YouTube, you can find that video and uh, see some of the, the crazy, crazy stuff that that deck had actually put out. Um, there was uh, one of my wonderful members of chat um, who is a um, refugee of the Ad Nauseam Purge. Uh, when seeming <laughs> Spirit Guide got banned, has said he's been a huge fan of it, and it's, uh, it's quite powerful. And uh, as I as I mentioned here, I mean the the deck does everything that the previous versions did, um, in that sometimes you just put together these crazy boards um, where you overwhelm your opponent with that. Sometimes you're able to squeak out a win by using Cryptic Command to tap down their board and swing for an Alpha Strike that that knocks them out. Sometimes you you know you nickel and dime your way through a bunch of one for one removal, and then you ultimate a Ren and Six to kill them with that and. Uh, I mean, it just has all that play um, that the, the previous versions did. I've had some crazy games where, like, the Gilded Goose is keeping you alive against Blue Red Prowess or Burn for multiple turns on end. Um, you, you have some crazy... Like, you get more clues into play than you could ever want to sacrifice because they're also making your construct, like, a 14-14. So, <laughs> it's a time. Yeah, it's. I, I do want to say, like, Spike is a master brewer... You know, like, mm-hmm. a lot of his brews are really good, and one of the things... <laughs> Spike has figured out the secret to brewing, which is to play good cards in your brews, you know? Like, all of his, like, this brew, it has four Renin Six, it has four Urza, four Tracker, three Cryptic Commands, you know? Just, like, there's, like, Spike is an amazing brewer, and he, he puts good cards in his brews, which is, you know, got a... I think that's a weakness of a lot of brewers, including, you know, myself and maybe Brian. Maybe not Zach. Zach is pretty good at keeping a level head. (laughs) Well, I mean, so what he says about the brewing process, especially for a competitive way, is that you want to find an interaction that you feel very, very inspired by, that, that that interaction is powerful, and try to find the best shell around it. And I think one of the things that we like doing here is going in the other direction because we know that that is the case, that there are these decks that can exist that play a lot of cards um, that otherwise are not particularly good, but when assembled into a large enough amalgam um, that they sort of come together and realize each other's potential, but only at a certain density. Um, and and so that's, I mean, not to take anything away from, from what he does, it's just there's certain decks which require the, the sort of uh, commitment to more bad cards that he's <laughs> he's going to be slower to find them. Um, because of that and uh and and it just involves burning a lot more tickets because you know sometimes you you don't <laughs> i mean there there's nothing more enjoyable than putting bad or taking out good cards for bad cards that are more synergistic with the other bad cards you know that is that is my bread and butter so we uh what are you guys what are you guys excited for for next what uh what's on the horizon besides modern horizons too oh yeah so i have you know like 
playing a, uh, play, playing the four color money, playing against the four color money pile with the token with the token deck. Uh, I learned that Omnath did not care about my feelings, and then I kind of realized it's like <laughs> Omnath is busted as hell. You know, like it is, but it's it's good in every matchup. You know, you can gain eight life off a of fetch land. Uh, it's four four draws a card, and you like it's a four mana mana rock, which is you know insane. That essentially taps for four mana sometimes even with haste. You know, it doesn't actually tap, but you know more or less your Omnath and the fetch is that is a huge mana boost. And I remember that, oh, you know, I was looking at, okay, what have I done with Omnath? And a while ago, like, I mean, you know, time time is a construct and time doesn't actually exist. But, you know, it might have been 2,000 years ago. We had a list uh, that Zach and I were working on that was just like, it was the Kinnan, Emery, Uro, Mox, Ambershell. Uh, but we also had Lotus Cobra and Renin 6 and like ramping into Omnath and Karn, where like, you know, you just like get a bunch of mana and do things. Uh, and we... Zach and I had taken to a couple four ones and three twos, and then luck Ben Jones, uh, the Shadow Master, had actually five out trophied with it twice, uh, which was pretty sweet. Uh, but so you know, like that list technically still, you know, Omnath into Karn is you know kind of what was what you just mentioned with Spike identifying powerful interactions. Omnath into Karn is really powerful, you know, like if you have Omnath and then you know if you get a turn three Omnath, uh, turn four, that's like nine to ten mana, and so you can actually Karn into something insane. Like Karn wished to something insane and cast it. Uh, you know, if Lattice were legal, I think this deck would actually be absolutely busted. Uh, but without Lattice being legal, you know, there's other things. And so the deck lost Uro, and without Uro, you know, Emery, we probably Emery's got to go. Without Emery, we can get rid of the Bobbles. I my initial list, I kept the Kinnons. Uh, but then it was pointed out to me, no, get rid of the Kinnons, they're bad. Uh, and yes, and the Embers, you know, they were, they were bad. It's sad, you know, it's so sad. I lost that deck, man. I love that deck. I know. But, it's, it hurts. It really does. <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 we, we do what we do and we move on. Yeah. Uh, and so in that, you know, so how can we replace these cards? Well, let's just ramp up, you know, amp up the one mana, you know, just like one mana ramp. So I have this 22 lands, uh, you know, four colors, uh, Everything but black, so fetches and, you know, shocks, all that good stuff. Nine one-mana ramp and four hierarch, four sprawl, uh, one birds. I mean, there's, you know, maybe you could argue hierarch, I, you know, noble hierarchs and being arbor elves could be interesting, but I don't, you know, I think the deck is just so, so hungry for, uh, you know, just like colored pips that that might be a little greedy. Yeah, no, I, I agree with the Hierarch line here, especially also because you're playing um, Stoneforge Mystic with swords. And yep, I find yep. a lot of the time, sometimes you have one or two um, uh, Hierarchs in play with a single attacker wielding a sword, and it, it ups your clock by a lot sometimes. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. it's 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 wild to me. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm blown away sometimes with these, like, three-color decks, and they're not even Bant decks playing Noble Hierarch, and sometimes it's like, no, it's clearly really good. Oh, yeah, and so kind of going off of that, you know, we lose Uro, which is like a, Uro, Uro, you know, a clutch for all the matchups, but especially aggro. And Stoneforge Mystic, if you squint, it does a medium, and there's a mediocre Uro impression, where, like, it's a valuable card, uh, it builds, you know, just get some value out of it. If you can drop a Batter Skull, like, on turn three, you know, you're pretty good against Burn and Prowess, and it's just, you know, turns all your crappy cards into good cards with swords, uh, and you, you have a lot of mana also, like, with the Omnaths and everything else, and then... Four Lotus Cobra and four Renin Six. You know, I'm a sucker for Cobra. And once again, talking about the payoffs, we're just like, 
Renin 6 and a Lotus Cobra is like two extra mana a turn for free while you're hitting your land drops. And especially if your whole deck is, you know, just like if you want to be ramping into Karns and Omnas, you know, that's that's the good stuff. And oh, love me, especially if the thing is like turn turn one ramp, turn two like birds, turn two Lotus Cobra fetch into like something nuts, you know. Sign me up for that. Uh, then we've got four Teferi, uh, a Sophie, a sort of a Feast and Famine. And I have three trackers. It's kind of like Tyler's tracker. It's got a little bit of a flex spot. I know, like, I'm sure someone can probably replace that with a better card. But I, I've just been kind of pretty high on tracker. And tracker plus Renin 6-2 is pretty pretty sweet. And especially with all, I thought maybe with all the mana you have, especially cards like Sword of Feast and Famine and Lotus Cobra, like Omnath, you might actually be able to get that pretty, you know, just like crack the clues pretty pretty easily. And then uh, then we have four Omnath, four Cones, a great creator, and uh, one Batter Skull. And you get Giganta in the sideboard. Isaac hates sideboard Giganta. I love sideboard Giganta. Uh, and then just, uh, you know, pretty much the whole, in my style, the whole wish board, the whole board is a wish board. Then you have three, whatever. I have mystical disputes, but they can be something else. Veil of Summer huh. would be the, the other. Yeah, yeah, that they should most, be, they should be Veil of Summer. Yeah. I, I mean, it just depends on what you're worried about. Um, so I like, I, I like Veil. I don't necessarily. Yeah, I don't necessarily think Dispute is bad, but I mean, maybe Aethergust if you're worried about Blood Moon or, or um, Celestial Purge. And we've got, um, you know, like our, our number one goal is to crush Jund. So, you know, Veil of Summer it is. <laughs> That's right. Um, I, I mean, I'm in Tregwade by this deck. I mean, it's really... It's, uh, it's quite the thing. Is there no... Is there no line to produce a turn to... Karn, I don't think there is. You can go turn one ramp, turn two Lotus Cobra fetch land, but that gives you three. Yeah, and three, three is pretty good with with Teferi or Sword or Tracker. Um, so that's that's not bad. Yeah, it, it also has lines like you know you can turn two Lotus Cobra, you know play your play a fetch and then not crack, it, and the next turn you can fetch and then crack your fetch and you get like explode on mana. I thought. Yeah. I mean, you know, the other thing is like explore you know you could maybe cut the trackers for explore which could be intriguing because explore fetch land and like explore with the fetch land and lotus cobra is actually like an next gain an extra mana mm. and it does kind of it, the same thing where you're drawing a card and you know, it replaces itself it's i don't know something to with, consider with 22 lands i don't know how excited i am to play explore just because you don't always have the ran six but i mean it's it's certainly an idea i mean i, I like the trackers better as a baseline but that's just because i i'm greedy and i want to draw cards with tracker yeah um, me too i, I me also too, think Zach. i also think the turn two lotus cobra into second thing um that is threatening is one of the best things you could be doing just because yep. lotus cobra is generally quite easy to kill um so if you can distract from the cobra while deploying something else reasonably threatening they'll kill the other thing and then maybe from that point you can play the next thing which is like you know extra extra threatening the the omnath or the karn or, or what have you um and, mm -hmm. and sort of play into that line um, if you want stoneforge mystic fits beautifully here by the way mm -hmm. yeah yeah i love you know just like hierarch stoneforge mystic decks are always fun I mean, if if you want to go Galaxy Brain, you know Hex Drinker is a pretty interesting mana sink, mm -hmm. and actually, you know, it, from Omnath's trigger, Hex Drinker gets pro instance. Right, right, and and it's just like easy to even. I mean, that could even be a sideboard consideration too for for um, when you want to overload their removal and you think it's going to be all spot removal. Um, mm -hmm. That could be that could be a whole thing. That's pretty yeah. cool. 
I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited for this and to, to test it and try it. Um, and generally speaking, I'm pretty high on Stoneforge Mystic. I mean, it's just my kind of card. It's funny because there are some people who, especially in like the format, the, the legacy format, or even some people who, when they, they pause it about modern, they're like, you know what? You know what? I don't worry about when my opponent plays a turn two Stoneforge Mystic. It's like a big exhale for me. I'm never worried about no turn two Stoneforge Mystic. That's just not the kind of thing I want to be doing. And on the flip side, I'm looking at it, I'm like, dude, it's a guaranteed two-for-one that lets you get something that is specifically good in matchups. So maybe oh, yeah. you're always playing the kind of deck that's good against Stoneforge Mystic, and that's fine. But Stoneforge Mystic against the field at large, it's a beautiful card. Oh, yeah, I love it. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like grandma's home cooking, you know? It's just so wholesome. <laughs> well, dude, and I 5 owed with the, the Niv to Blade deck. I 5 owed yeah. with the 80-card Niv to Blade deck. I mean, it's... It's not a joke, and as much as, you know, uh, Pai Gonti, who is the current trophy board leader and, and currently a Niv aficionado, does not believe in the card in that deck list, I, I think there is some advantage to it. Now, whether that advantage is better served as other cards, I'm not sure. But, I mean, the fact that I was able to 5-0 with it out, out of the gate, um, you know, if you go watch those games, a lot of them were hard fought. There were some misplays on my end, and I still managed to pull it out, so... Uh, it, it's it's definitely not bad. It's just the again, as I said, it's a guaranteed two for one, and if you have a way to pour mana into the cards that you get with it, it's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I love some for me. I totally buy that. You know, I think it's got a little mm. bit of a bad rep. Like, you know, yeah. I love it. Like, I, I would play the nib. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, the 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 synergy with Omnath. By the way, I just want to specifically state that that should not be underrated because if you have a, a Omnath and you play a fetch land, fetch an untapped mana source, you can play and equip a sword, or you can play a batter skull. Um, and this is assuming that your Stoneforge Mystic has died, which it frequently does. Um, but you want to be playing a deck where that's not a big deal for you. Um, I know for the Taxes decks, it usually is kind of a deal for them. Um, that's why they have things like Giver of Runes. That's why they play things like Aether Vial. So they're able to take advantage of a, a different way to play Stoneforge Mystic. But this deck just goes like, no, no, no. You can go my Stoneforge. I just want to get the card in my hand. I'll cast oh, yeah. it. You, you know what else is like amazing? That I, I, I got this trick from the um, uh, uh, from the the four color Stoneforge Mystic uh, Kin and Arosa deck we were, we were messing with. Oh uh, yeah. Sword of Sword and Feast and Famine and Karn. It's like disgusting. Oh, so it good. is like absolutely insane what you can do. It's the big yikes. Yeah, that's a <laughs> lot of mana to do nonsense with. Very, very brutal shenanigans. Like in these lists, you know, I've even like had insane cards just like, um, uh, oh, what is it? What's that one from Mirrodin that just like players can't draw cards and at the end of everybody's turn, everybody discards a card? uh possessed yeah portal? yeah like, you know like i was like i was finding Which that is, I, what eight mana <laughs> yeah i was finding that like on turn three or turn four you'd have like eight mana with oh the card God. and it's just like you know like maybe we'll just add one of these let's you know, go baby but yeah just slam it. it's like all right you know no one's drawing any cards we're all pitching our hands like i've got omnath and a karn on the field let's do this <laughs> can i but interest yeah, you in a blade steel colossus anybody yes always <laughs> Yeah, All so right. this maybe, is... maybe not, but what's the um, Argentum armor? Start blowing up permanence every attack? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I that's probably not the right direction. There's the, like the, I, I think I have the uh, Bolus's totem, the Citadel, no. 
Oh, 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 um, the the statue, God Pharaoh statue. Yeah, God Pharaoh. Yeah, statue. God Pharaoh yeah. statue is one of my sleeper hits for that thing. Um, and then if you really wanted to play something, Universal Solvent is a one drop artifact that has like seven mana, sacrifice, exile, target, permanent, permanent, non land, yeah. permanent. No, just permanent. I think it's permanent. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Isn't there? Uh, I thought there was a. Four mana, it might cost more to activate. Yeah, though. I, and I, I think know, it I might hit non-land permanence. Yeah. Uh, Regardless, gotcha. there is a uh, endless toolbox of uh, wonderfully janky artifacts that you could play in those slots, and I am more than happy to jam them in my wishboard and occasionally get them. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, like the one thing, just like one day, I will be brave enough to cut four cards and add four Fey of Wishes and just go the full, you know, just like... You, you've done Full two or three before. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Fae of Wishes is like always kind of impressed me. And the other cool thing about Fae of Wishes and Omnath is you can Fae of Wishes for Fall of the Thran, and then you cast it, you blow up their oh, lands, yeah. your turn, the lands come back, and you get like a billion landfall triggers with Omnath, and you just like go nuts. Oh, uh, yeah. I like this. I like this a lot. What if yep. we just add Fall of Thran to the main deck, you know? What if we totally YOLO it? I'm in. I think it. I'll waste the tickets. <laughs> you can. I mean, it's double. <laughs> it's double white, so you lose. You we would lose Giganta, which I know I'm a sucker for Giganta. Not gonna lie. Well, it just opens up another wish slot. Yeah, I'm mean, there's there's thing with portals, so you know these are. <laughs> this is this is what I'm very excited for, and I'll definitely be testing this out this week, and you know, posting about it. And hopefully, you should have some sick screenshots. Maybe I'll have like a turn two Godfarer statue or something nuts. You know, you never know till you run it. Sweet. What about you, Brian? What are you excited about? Uh, too much, too much. Uh, so as we were talking here and I was thinking about Hex Drinker, uh, I now want to investigate whether there's cheaper ways to add level up counters to things and then uh, use the Ozolith to move those level up counters onto the Hex Drinker. But doesn't it have to die um, in order for Ozolith to move the counters? Well, that's easy. It's easy to get your, your creatures killed. Mm. You just start leveling them up, and they get some counters, and then your opponent's going to remove them. And then you slam your Hex Drinker, you go to combat, you move all the counters, and okay. somehow protect all them. Alright, that is... I like I like the concept. I'm just concerned about the other level up creatures <laughs> you're going to be putting in your deck. No, uh, I don't know if I'm actually going to pursue that. That was just something that popped up. But um, I definitely want to poke at the Bolus's Citadel and... Uh, Dance of the Mance and all that nonsense some more. Uh, I think that was pretty fun. And I should give one of these Urza tireless tracker mm -hmm. lists a shot. Definitely. I, I really you love Urza. You would like it. You know, you're, it's so hard to convince you to try our lists, Brian. I hope, you know, like, I always yell at you to try our list. You never try our list. So I figured, oh, you know, like, <laughs> I've never, I haven't really played your list. So, like, I can't expect that of you. So I did try your tokens list. You know, I gave it a go. So you owe, you owe us this, Brian. You owe us something. I, I do I, I hey I do I do play the lists sometimes I don't get to as many as I want but I also don't play nearly as much magic as I want yeah um, I, I feel that but yeah no I uh, I just have a bad taste in my mouth on the Urza tracker business from when tracker was first showing up in some of the like combo oriented builds as just like a sideboard value piece and I, it never really impressed me there but this is like an entirely different concept yeah. so i think i think you will enjoy yeah. this deck and also this omnath deck looks pretty fun i mean 
Stoneforge Mystic, always a good time. Uh, I would love an excuse to cast some Lotus Cobras. So. Oh, yeah. Lotus so, Cobra is like a, a drug you can't quite quit. Yeah. Well, that's how I felt about the Bolas' Citadel. Oh, yeah. And that's how I ended up with a bunch of Mox Tantalites and Lotus Blooms in my deck. So <laughs> There you go. Ooh. What about you, Zach? What are you What are you excited about in these coming in these coming two weeks? I I mean that your your Stoneforge craziness Omnath nonsense deck looks good to me. I want to play some more Lotus Cobra. That'd be great. Um, I know I've got an Esper Vile deck on uh, on deck that I would like to play that uh, has released to the winds with four copies of Valky. Uh, yeah, that that seems pretty good. So uh, I've had someone who's sort of been poking at me to play that deck. I'm excited about it. It's 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 five would a reasonable number of times with with slight iteration. So I'm hopping in kind of late on the bandwagon on that one. Um, Release to the winds for anyone who does not know it is a is the cheapest way to cheat your uh, Valky into a Tybalt because uh, you have to cast it first. So, I mean, in totality, it's the same cost as uh, Bring to Light with, obviously, a lot more risk because you have to play the Valky out first and then release it to the winds, um, which allows you to get it uh, to come back as a Tybalt Cosmic Imposter. However, uh, you can Aether Violet in, which makes it a lot uh, less risky. And uh, so that then the general strategy around that is a sort of middling Esper creature shell with Aether Vial. So I'm excited for that, that, that jankiness. Um, I, other than that, um, I'm not super sure. I mean, there, there's not a lot of new stuff popping up around that I'm mm-hmm. super excited about. I think people are, again, reaching the end of their sort of inspiration from the, the previous set. And that's fine. Um, and, and we're definitely going to have at least a bit of a shakeup with all sorts of super aggressive Magecraft decks uh, with, the, with the next set coming out. Um, and we'll see how, how all that uh, shakes out. And oh, uh, oh. I'm going to be trying to cast some big spells. One thing I'm excited to do, ping some of those new Zero Ones with, with Ren and Six. Oh, yeah, baby. Awesome. Well, uh, Zach, why don't you take us out? Well, I think it just might be time for a little bit of bumps and dumps, baby! Woo! Apologies to Arun's ears. <laughs> no way, we're good. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I'm going to uh, hop right off the bat with um, um, something I'm, I'm super excited about right now that has nothing to do with magic that I was mentioning to my boy Brian here before we started up. Which is, uh, you know, last year at some point they, they came out with the demo and I tried it for Final Fantasy VII Remastered. Uh, I'm sure both of you share the experience that I do of some kind of wonderful beloved childhood game which the, the, the creative intellectual span of that game, the scope, was so much bigger than the technology at the time. Like, not even a little bit. Um, and Final Fantasy VII, for a lot of people, is one of those games. The, the characters are blocky and terribly animated, um, but the backdrops were beautifully sort of hand-drawn, pre-rendered. Um, and this remake was coming out. I tried out the demo, and I just could not get past the fact that the uh, combat system was just not at all what I wanted. It wasn't like a turn-based RPG at all. And for, for anyone who's curious, I love turn-based RPGs. Um, and so many series that I dearly, dearly love have a point where they just move off of it and seems like they never really come back to it properly. Um, 
and that's always a heartbreaking moment for me. It happened with Paper Mario. It's happened with Final Fantasy. Um, I'm sure there's a few others that come to mind. But anyway, um, but I started watching someone uh, do a Let's Play of that on YouTube where they're just playing through the whole game. They're doing like a sort of lore slash completion run. They're, you know, talking to everyone and trying to do all this stuff. And, you know, when the opening credits on it rolled, dude, the dude just started crying because of the, the level of joy that that game <laughs> brought him. And... You know, I couldn't help it but join him because I had that moment where I thought, you know, it, it's just crazy in a single person's lifetime to have something that's so wonderful, so influential, so beautifully put together when you're young and have it, you know, eventually be realized in a way that is going to have some kind of imperfections, but it's breathtakingly well put together. The graphics are incredible. I mean, if you have any interest or if you've never played it before, Check it out. Final Fantasy VII Remastered just looks looks incredible. I mean, it's it's breathtaking and uh, a testament to what can be done in uh, in um, modern creative world building, etc. Nice. I'm I'm, I'm going to jump on. Or I'm going to jump on next because you know, relating to that actually, my bumps go to Monster Hunter Rise, uh, the new yeah. Monster Hunter game for the Switch. I've not played a Monster Hunter game before. Uh, but my best friend uh, from back home, uh, he is huge into it, and you know we'd like to play co-op games together. And he told me he's like, "Arun, just like get Monster Hunter Rise, we'll play co-op together." It's like, okay, sweet. So, you know, I've not really done any of the series, but definitely trust his judgment a hundred percent. And I got the game, and it is sick. You know, just like it's like one of those grinding games, but the combat system is sweet. It's very entertaining. Like they make, I don't know, the rewards just really work for me. Like. You know, sometimes you grind and like it's a, it's not the good grind. It's just the grind. But this this game feels like the good grind to me. Like it's very easy just to hop on. If I've got 30 minutes, we can just jump on, you know, like do a couple of quests together, you know, jump on Discord, talk a little bit too. It's just I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm excited to get to play a lot more. That's part of the reason I played a little less magic this week is, well, A, you know, I wasn't feeling modern too much. But now I am. But B, you know, just like having this game and, you know, I really enjoyed it. So big bumps to Monster Hunter Rise, and I look forward to playing more. Nice. Uh, for me, I you know I'm just gonna say um, bumps to uh, books. I'm gonna take a divergent path here. Uh, just been uh, reading a bunch of random nonsense. Um, was backlogged on a on a bunch of books, and just kind of plowing through a bunch of random stuff. Um, and I'm gonna, I have a dumps this week. I'm gonna say dumps to fungal infections. Oof. My peach tree. Ooh. My peach tree. Oh no. Yeah. Yipes. Yeah, all the leaves, they're all, all red and puckered. Doesn't look right. And apparently there's not a whole lot I can do other than just let it run its course and then treat it, uh, before next season. So. Ouch. Uh, I guess probably no peaches this year, but, um, you know. Big oof. So it goes. Circle of life and all yeah, that. That's a quality, you know, that dump. Respectable dump. Quality dump. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I'm I'm being yelled at by a hungry cat. Aww. So uh, I think we're going to have to end it here. Sounds good. Well, may all of your cats out there in the wonderful podcast verse always be fed and uh, given strokes and wonderful spots of sunlight to nap in. And uh, I'll see you guys next time, I guess. All right. Catch you all later. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to episode 16 of the Serum Visions podcast. If you like what we do and want to get in touch with us, you can find us at twitter.com slash serumvisionsmtg 
email us at serumvisionspod at gmail.com or join us on Discord at the link in the episode description of your podcast player or on serumvisions.podbean.com. Take a deep breath, Brian. You got this.